If you're a graphic designer or artist and you'd be interested in making some Dissecting the 80s merch, hit us up at dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. This is not us looking to not pay a person, so uh, we've got some Patreon money. Might want to commission some merch, so reach out if you are one of the folks who makes those kind of things and would like to talk to us. This podcast is brought to you by our supporters at Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s to find out how you can get dozens of bonus episodes of this show, a monthly newsletter telling you what's coming soon on the show and the stuff we've been watching, and a whole lot more. Visit patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s to learn more. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a podcaster. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano. It is Favorite Spuary, and we are watching an American masterpiece with my tag team partner, the Tommy, maybe? I mean, you're certainly not a Jimmy Conway. Uh, to my Henry Hill, the Macho Man. Andrew Lano. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll take, I'll take, uh, Tommy. I feel like you've got, I feel like you got a little bit of the simmering rage. In yeah, you. yeah. That's also just called being queer in 2024. <laughs> yeah, sure, exactly. Uh, a recording I have been anticipating and fearing in equal portions for well over a month. We are uh, finishing out favorites. Well, favorites we are in the main feed. We will have a very special episode on, uh, as always, Ollie Hoop Noodles Haven of Bliss, as we do every Leap Day. Uh, you know the uh, the classic film that we revisit every time it's Leap Day. Uh, and uh, but closing out the main feed here with a movie that I love very much. Had not revisited in a long time. Uh, watched with my wife and and continue. To have capital L love for. But we'll get into all that because we watched Goodfellas and you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your thinly sliced garlic. So we're gonna do thinly sliced garlic. <laughs> when the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. So I have a question that I must ask before we get into all okay. of it. Uh, did, did you have to eat Italian food after? Did you like properly prepare? Because I feel like I had given you that. Advice. I didn't, but I want it. Okay. We like, it was like, we got, we had found uh, in the freezer some, uh, you know, assorted meatballs and sausage that goes with this. I think I still, I think I have some of that in the back of the freezer somewhere. Yeah, we had we had like an extra we had made we had more spaghetti meat than sauce the last time we made it and I forgot about this bag of spaghetti fixins. So we made like a quick little bit of red sauce and made uh made spaghetti after because I was like, I cannot watch this movie and not have Italian food to follow it up. So yeah. it's, it's oh, yeah. must must do. So I was yeah, I was curious if you had uh, No, I, I do want it, um, but I did not eat it. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't not want it after watching this movie. It is like one of the food porniest films that ever existed. Oh, fully, 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 fully. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm I'm a little hesitant to ask the question, but I, I think I I think I gotta know. Like, what's your what's your what's your we we'll get into the minutia, but what's your big picture thoughts? So, do you remember when you watched Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness and were texting me about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a certain point because you know how much like I I love Scarlet Witch and yeah. And you texted me at one point and you said, 
are, you're, you are fully aware that she's the villain of the piece, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that straight men view this movie and like Scarface and shit like that in the same way that queer people, particularly queer men, watch movies about super powered women like mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch, um, uh, Angelica Houston in The Witches, uh, Famke Janssen as Jean Grey and Phoenix mm-hmm. with the same kind of reverence. So like, I wouldn't say I have reverence well, for Henry. You don't, but I think I see what you're saying. I certainly there was a time in my life when I did. Yeah. I get what you're. I, I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. I get what you're saying. But I, yeah, the broad I, I, strokes, I men who have a Scarface poster on the wall. I just to say words that weren't just like mm-hmm, 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 nine times while you were talking. Yeah. I felt like I had to put a sentence in there. So continue. I don't want to step on your. Point. So as soon as that like clicked in my head, I was like, I have a feeling that like that's sort of the parallel here. And that, like, the way I have such a reverence and, and um, I don't know, projection is maybe not the right word, but, like, fantasy sounds a little extreme, but, like, the way I can, like, put myself into the Scarlet Witch movie as, like, okay. an es- escapism, okay. that's the word, as, like, Scarlet Witch sure, and, like, yeah. magical, powered, powerful women are my escape. So sure. I just kind of calibrated my organ okay in order yeah to do that and i get it i think that is like an incredibly cool thing to do with a movie that is like not your bad like i i appreciate that that like uh that's the thing i have actively tried to do and sometimes i'm good at it and sometimes i'm bad at it but like trying to appreciate things that like explicitly aren't for me i think is like a cool thing you can do if you appreciate an art form like i know you appreciate movies yeah and like so i i i get Obviously, I don't get straight men. A lot of the times, like, are straights okay? <laughs> are the straights okay? But, like, I get why they, I quote-unquote, identify with this movie and these characters. Because it's, like, obviously, like, I'm not a, a witch who murders people. But, right, like, right, right. boy, if I said several times, like, the world is lucky I don't have Scarlet Witch reality powers. Because, like, we, <laughs> we'd be in a Westview so fucking fast. What the many the many times I have it close to emotional breakdown, so like I yeah. get it. I think I think the 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 character in this movie that that people most have the feelings you're describing for is actually Polly. The oh the fully the I, at the end when he I was like Polly got arrested. Spoiler alert. Sorry, I was like they got Polly too. <laughs> Yeah, but the 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 there's a lot of really great lines in this movie, and I'm sure we're going to talk about some of them. But the one that I like always have loved is like, Polly didn't move. Polly didn't move slow, but that's only because Polly didn't have to move for anybody. Like that is the ultimate expression of of power in the yeah. movie. Is that like this guy is the king of the universe in the way it's expressed. Um, but one of the things I found really interesting on this particular rewatch of this movie, and again, this is a movie we, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like this is the episode on Goodfellas, so this is where most of this stuff's going to come out, and you might hear some stuff you've heard before. It was like the first times I watched this movie, I like was playing football in high school, and like I was fully wearing the mask of masculinity, right? yeah. And that's not to say that like it's a mask that I like put on in a fake way, but just like you know, I have grown as a person and think about the world in a lot different ways than I did when I was seventeen, and I f- 
frankly think that's very good. Yeah. That most people, you know, <laughs> you, you should look at the world differently <laughs> at 17 versus right. 27 versus 37. Right. right. 37. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I've watched this movie at many stages of my life and, you know, you know, I'll tell you, I'll just straight up. Like there was a time when I really wanted one of these shirts that was like blue, but the collar was white. I thought that looked cool as shit. I never bought it, but I did want that shirt. That, that was what uh, a, was like a Gordon Gecko shirt too, right? I think you might be right. I've only watched Wall Street once and didn't super love the movie. Rather, just so like even though it had 80s businessman kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's I mean, certainly is an 80s uh, era piece of clothing for sure. Um, but like, uh, you know, I, I was a very physically strong person and I, my identity was built around being a very big, strong person who played football and did all these things. And, so and, like, and Italian, we had the Italian identity for a while. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we were our, our father's Italian, our extended family on that time on his side is Italian. Uh, it would not surprise me if we were distantly related to some people who relate to this movie very specifically. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. We don't need. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I frankly don't know that I've ever even met them, but they perhaps exist. Uh, you know, it would not surprise me what one iota to be like, oh, yeah, OK, sure. That makes a lot of sense that where you grew up and where that is. Um, and so like the. Oh, you mean like that story mom told where. Yeah, kind of like that, maybe. um but so like you know this movie power is granted to those who physically can grasp it right Mm -hmm. it is is, all the expressions of of power in this movie are wielded by the physically strong maybe not like physically strongest in that they, they, they punch the hardest, but like the ones willing to do the most dastardly deeds have the most power. They're the yeah. strongest you know, the most ruthless people. And like, so obviously I know I hear what I'm about to say is could be grown worthy to people, but I think it would be fascinating to see a movie like this, where the Henry Hill character is, is black or queer or a woman. And then sure. we can kind of add on that, like, or an Ishii layer of like, there's one thing you cannot fucking talk to me about. And if that is, if that is my queerness, my womanhood, my blackness, sure, sure. I collect yeah, your fucking yeah. head. We're like, yeah. everyone's scared, but people are kind of like, well, how, how is that person? So and like, you shut up. Um, the, the thing that you're looking for is called the wire. <laughs> That's like 10 wire. seasons, isn't it? No, it's five. All of them are great. <laughs> There's, It's like 50 episodes. Uh, Omar is a black gay man who is the most ruthless killer and most feared person in the community. Work, uh, work. Like kind of, it is a, uh, you know, he is an, an evil man uh, who who you kind of root for. And that's, that is- Look, I'm here for gay most... rights and gay wrongs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a great performance. It's a wonderful performance. Unfortunately, I think that actor passed away a couple years ago. Uh, Was he anything else? He was in a bunch of stuff. I most memorably for me, he was also in Community, where he, you know, kind of had his gruff, you know, scary demeanor, but was kind of nicer. Um, I'm, I wish I feel like his first name was Michael, but I cannot remember the actor's name, so forgive me. Hmm. Uh, and we have too much to say about this podcast for me to break to look up who played Omar. Uh, funny enough, there will be another The Wire connection later, uh, as uh, Isaiah Whitlock has a small role in this movie as a doctor, and he's also Clay Davis on The Wire. Okay. Um, but what I what was what struck me in watching it this time is something I never put together before. But when you see young Henry's home life, he you see the way that his father only 
really communicates with him through physical violence, right? And shouting. It doesn't really, you, we never, yeah, right. And, or, or verbal violence, I suppose. I, I may be stretching the bounds there, but go with me on my slightly belabored analogy. But like, you know, there's never any moments where Henry Hill has like a nice spot with his dad, right? The mm-hmm. dad's yelling or screaming or, and then like beating the absolute shit out of him with a belt. Um, and then he goes into his neighborhood and all of the people in his neighborhood who have power and respect are the physically toughest, baddest men, right? And it's just like, of course this guy ended up this way. Yeah. Like, how else could he? Like, he lived in the world of toxic masculinity, like the most toxic right. of masculinity. Right. Right. And like his brother doesn't, but his brother is confined to a wheelchair early in the movie. And so, like, of course, they didn't have the room in their space for somebody with a disability. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that world wouldn't accommodate no. that person. And so, like, and, and not to say that they would, like, beat up that guy. Right. It's just that, like, he couldn't be one someone. Of someone could be in the group and then get in a wheelchair and stay in the group. Yes. But someone in yes, a wheelchair yes. is not joining the group. Absolutely. Like if Paul Sorvino's character ended up in a wheelchair, they would not like they would <laughs> wheel him out to greener pastures. Three guys would push that, would carry that chair. Around. Yes, they wouldn't. They wouldn't let the wheels touch the ground unless it was stationary. You know, it would be like no. It would be like it would be like in Batman and Robin when the when Poison Ivy's walking over the men. It's just a line of men laying yes. down, getting yes. up, running to the front of the wheelchair so it doesn't touch the dirt. There would be like a. Uh, two and a half foot by two and a half foot oriental rug that one guy would carry rolled up and would unroll and they would <laughs> like a sc- like a scroll <laughs> yeah yeah and, he, and then when it was time to leave like the four guys would pick up the chair the fifth guy would roll up the carpet they would carry Polly where he wanted to go they'd put it down and roll the carpet exactly out, you know it would be like that um but yeah and it was just like it just dawned on me and watching this and like i said i've seen this movie a countless times practically and it was just like oh like i've never like and again like I think this movie is a masterpiece. I think it's like a one of the best, you know, p- examples of of like great American cinema, of which there are dozens and dozens. It's not like I think it's I too think long. I like it, but I think it's too long. Okay, that's fine. I, I this is one of those movies that I think is like a hangout movie, and like if you're vibing with it, you don't care. You're just kind of luxuriating and hanging out in the space. But I completely understand if the movie's not super vibing with you. How that makes sense, but it's just like has so many layers to it and and as i said there's so much stuff you can pick up like this is a more than the 10th time i've watched this movie easily and it's just like oh i've never i've never made that very obvious connection that the movie wants you to make before hopefully the movie wants you to make that connection no i i i i I think it would be a real discredit to martin scorsese to act like he doesn't understand what he's doing i think like i think people really don't give him the credit that he deserves for like of course he knows the people in this film are bad guys, but he's like, they're compelling to watch. And that's why we're making a movie about yeah. them. It's not that I think they're, you know, righteous people. Uh, and I think there's a lot of idiots out there that it's just like, well, if you make a movie about a bad person, that means you endorse the bad person. It's like, no, the Barton's Scorsese. No. So the, the actions, of the problem people. is that nothing exists in a vacuum. And like, mm-hmm. while it's just like on Shit's Creek, uh, Dan Levy or Levy, Levy. I've always said Eugene Levy. Levy. So Dan Levy uh, yeah. specifically said he was like, we didn't, not one person in the town of uh, Schitt's Creek has w- will ever have anything negative to say about the fact that David is queer. Period. Sure, yeah. Because the second you put that character in a space, all of a sudden there are 8,000 people plus millions that are going, oh, that character's got it right. That's the good character in this show. And it's like- yeah. yeah. Nothing exists in a vacuum. You, you. It doesn't matter what your intentions are with your creation or whatever. Once it, once you've willed it into existence, how other people take it 
is valid and it sucks. Right. But like, yeah. Yeah. This is like the Sopranos paradox of like, there were a lot of people who were like, I wish Tony would get back to doing the good shit where he was killing people all the time. Like, you know, when it was like, he's doing too much of this therapy bullshit. Go kill a guy. Whack. I thought therapy was like a big part of the whole show the whole time. No, it was. It was always like episode one. I it, it may even start in the therapist's office. To be honest with you, it's been a very long time since I've rewatched any Sopranos. But um, Lorraine Bracco actually plays the therapist. That was like kind oh. of oh yeah. So the I think man, this is going back a long time. So grains of salt with this anecdote because I did not look this up. But I feel that I recall that they they wanted her to play. Um, what ultimately went to Edie Falco, the 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 wife part, and she was like, "No, I've done that before, but I would be very interested in playing this therapist." Also, I feel like yeah. she's she would have been a little old to play his wife by the point yeah. that his yeah. was coming around. Yeah, I, that's. I don't think she would have been age inappropriate for Gandolfini. Like, I think they're probably closer in age than you might think, but. You, yeah, you might be right. And I, again, that anecdote could be completely yeah. wrong. But in any case, she played Dr. Melfi, his therapist. And she's very good. Is she his show. therapist the whole uh, time? I mean, I, that could be a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, like, he was like, kill his therapist at some point. And like, that's a, I, I don't, a plot point. I, I, th- I, don't, I don't know if she's in the show until the very end for a number of reasons, but I have no recollection of Melfi getting killed. And I feel like if anyone killed Melfi, Tony would have killed their whole family. Got it. Like, I think he had a lot of respect for her. He would never have killed also, her. No, yeah, I that that would be very. I feel like I would remember that. Uh, maybe I don't. It was a long time ago when The Sopranos ended, but that yeah, it was. Um, it, that just seems like that would never have happened. He had a lot of love for her. Like I don't know that it was romantic, although he definitely made passes at her over the course of the series. But I, um, yeah, I I think he had a lot of respect for her, and and like it was an interesting premise, right? Like the the idea of like. Because frankly, Gandolfini is closer to Jimmy Conway than Henry Hill. Like yeah. the idea of, of Jimmy Jimmy Conway. I've never I've seen like, I've seen YouTube shorts of The Sopranos, and I know that he's a Jimmy Conway, <laughs> not a Henry Hill. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, but 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 but, but I, I'm rambling, obviously. But um, I just think it's like even as evil as these people are. Like I think Henry is the least evil of our main characters. That's not to say I think he's not evil. We're not Polly. Henry is like. Polly is the one orchestrating all of the killings and stuff, so I don't know. Like, oh, I, he, I for some reason my brain keeps saying Jimmy does, is the orchestrator. I think it's because it feels like at a certain point Jimmy takes over, even though he's not made. Jimmy makes a lot of that decision making on his own for sure, but like um, Joe Pesci's death is orchestrated by Polly for sure. Oh, part of that. I didn't put yeah. that together. Like not, not like yeah, like Paulie's the head of the family and so that is like probably a conversation like when it when it comes out we're going to just spoil I mean whatever, we're going to spoil this movie as we go. So if uh sorry that we spoiled that without but the, spoilers abound. Don't listen to this podcast if you Just drop a spoiler movie, at the beginning. Like look, we're yeah. going to Yeah. Yeah. Um but normally we try to like go through it plot-wise first. But the um the Pesci character, you know, the the whole Billy Bats thing, like at some point they figured out what happened there the other family. And I'm certain that the move was like, they went to Polly and yeah. they were like, you know, how do we handle this? And Polly was like, the right move is that you kill the guy. Like, uh, you know, I give you my blessing probably again. We don't see that. Scene That's I, I, I kind of like, I, I know I said this movie was too long, but I think without the concept of like the families, it like some things kind of get lost in translation. I think a lot of it honestly is expecting that the audience knows a good deal of this stuff because you're making a movie pretty contemporary years after the Godfather. Yeah. But, uh, but also it's like, you're making a movie 15 years after the Godfather, which is like excruciating in the detail about that stuff. Oh, is and it I really? Think you just like, 
Yeah, I mean the whole the all of the Godfather is about like the the. It's like is it like fucking Game of Thrones? <laughs> it's like these these are the families. And <laughs> I mean, not a hundred percent, but not not that. Like there is a lot about the different crime family families and the Corleone family and this other the the different families and the way that they offset. It's also been a long time since I watched The Godfather, so forgive me if I'm getting some of the details incorrect. But like there is like a war with one of the families that goes on in that, and like that that all that stuff is mm. is. Is in there, so I I do think the movie, I do think the movie is like expecting its audience to kind of know a bunch of this stuff as it goes in, which I think is a. I'm not telling you that's not a valid criticism. I'm just saying like in the context in which it was made, that I makes think, sense. Like I think a lot of people kind of come in with that knowledge, but I well, and and like I said, this movie that. was made like three years after he, he was Henry Hill was arrested, so like right. it's probably in the public like discussion. Right. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It'd be like if they made a, a a a movie about Taylor Swift being at the Super Bowl in like twenty years, right. people would be like, "I don't get it." <laughs> right? They'd be right. like, "Oh no, right. that's all people fucking talked about for I don't know right. four right. months." It was excruciating. It was excruciating how much people are talking about it. To be quite honest with you, I don't dislike Taylor Swift, and I'm just like, can we just? She doesn't need to be in every section of the newspaper, guys. Just it's it's fine if she's just in two of them. Yeah, like it doesn't need to be, you know, whatever. Um. But anyway, uh, I think we should just roll through it because there's a lot to talk about, and, and you know the plot will help kind of um, put us there. And so we have this this, this it's kind of a weird in media res choice. Yes. Well, I think what it is is like this movie wants to set you up for what you're going to watch, which is a violent movie, you know. And there's this. It's not just that it's violent; it's that it's totally nonchalant about its violence like that they stab him 10 times they shoot him three times in the trunk of this car and it's just like eh, all right we're done you well know, i just mean just in so terms casual. of like structure i th- it's just kind of a, like it's not a that point in the movie doesn't feel particularly impactful like when it comes back yeah. around to it i was like oh yes and normally like that kind of thing is sort of a bookend it would be like they're showing you the end of the movie like with crimson yeah. peak the movie starts with the end of the movie and then it comes back yeah. around. Like, I almost think they could have gotten away with doing like smash cuts of a bunch of violence inflicted throughout the movie, like a face stomp and a, and a stabby stab and, oh, a, and sure. a gunshot. Like, okay. something that's more like a 30 second montage of like quick cuts showing. See, I, I, so I've always viewed this as this is the reality and then very we jump from the dark miserable reality to the like glitz and glamour of it with the voiceover of like as far back as i can remember i wanted to be a gangster and then we have the kid very shortly after that he's in the suit and he walks to the door and mom's mom's like you look like a gangster what are you doing my boy and then they take an uber out of the fucking movie (laughs) they do take an uber they get mentioned i I don't know with five minutes left in the movie and then i was like wait his parents aren't dead I uh, I always got the impression that like they basically cut him out. That's that's what I've always wondered. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know the real story. And frankly, I think this movie exists well outside the real story of Henry Hill. And that it's like this is even though it's based on a real person and these are all based on real people. That yeah. It's like yeah, this is a fictionalized account, and and how much of it is real is probably even though it's based on interviews with the real guy, it's like these people are all bullshitters and exaggerators. And like, even the story he tells you as the air quotes truth is like extremely skeptical. I'm skeptical of it as the truth, true truth, you know? Yeah. But I think that is always what I've viewed it as is like, you go from the, you start with the reality, which is grim. He's like 
he's murdering this man in a trunk in the most disgusting of way. Like he's like, it's not just like, Oh, you know, we poisoned this guy and got rid of him. Agatha Christie style. It's like we violently <laughs> we put a drop of poison on a rope that yeah. dribbled down yeah. into his into his goblet yeah. during dinner. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like we beat the shit out of this guy, and then when we just realized we didn't kill him, we opened the trunk and finished the job with a meat cleaver. You know, it's mm-hmm. grim. It's grim. But that's what I, I've always viewed it as. But yeah, I, I mean, obviously that's my reading, not like an un, you know objective truth of it or whatever. Um, we get that incredible. So one of the one of, like another thing I've uh, seen some like modern younger people review this movie and criticize it for, and like not to dunk on people, but just like people really don't like the voiceover. And I think a lot of voiceover in movies tends to be bad. I think voiceover really serves this movie it, well. Yes, because it, this is it, this so is well done, well executed voiceover. It's effective. Yeah. And, and that it switches from different, like at some point it becomes Lorraine Bracco's voice. That was great. It was like, such a fun twist. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's like really vital to telling you like whose perspective we're watching this movie from, because it's usually when you watch a movie, you're kind of getting again, like air quotes, artsy fartsy things here, but it's like, you're getting the sort of the objective view of the room, right? It's mm-hmm. sometimes you get a movie from a character's point of view. There are many movies that also Aronofsky. Goodfellas. <laughs> Sure, but like I mean, thousands of movies have are from a particular character's point of view. But I think what's interesting about this movie is that I think the voiceover is used to like make sure the audience is aware of whose point of view we're at. Now it's like, oh, now now we're now we're watching the movie as Karen, or now we're participating in this movie as Karen. Now we're participating in this movie as Henry, and all that stuff really serves to me the movie and the message of it of like like Henry is born into this world and really had no choice out of it. Right. I mean, certainly there are people born in certain circumstances, similar to Henry Hill that didn't become gangsters. And like, I mean, he was, he didn't have to become a gangster. He was Italian Irish. It's not like he was full Italian. Yeah. Where, which in movies speak is like, you have no, you can either be a plumber, a pizza man or a mafia man. That's, that's fair. That's fair. I, I guess I would say is like, Based on the fact that you know, the violence from his father and the violence of the community he lived in, like it's not surprising to me that this guy chose yeah. a life of violence. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to something else. Obviously, many people don't make that choice. It's not as if it's the only choice, but like it, it's logical to me when it does that. But Karen obviously has nothing to do with this. Karen gets swept up into this world, and she has like sort well, of she has the same thing. energy as this world. Yes. She doesn't know it. Yes, yes, but she has the same energy as that world. And and the longer she's with Henry, the more that takes over. Mm-hmm. And like that is a like that character arc, I think, is really interesting and really well done. That's like why I was said to you before is like Lifetime used to show this movie and people would make fun of it. But it's like Karen is a significant part part of this movie. And the way that she participates in this story is vital and like a really interesting. I could have used more Karen. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear you say that, you know, Um but yeah, so uh, we're, this is going to be a tangenty podcast, and it's probably going to be four hours long. And my wife's going to be like, "Would you please come eat dinner?" Um, I but I love young Henry, who's just like fully moon eyed over these evil gangsters. Like these guys are bad people, and he just like can't get enough. He's also four spaghettis and a mini marshmallow. <laughs> he's a tiny. Boy. He's he's what I also look. A lot of people look like his children. Just. Two spaghetti legs, two spaghetti arms, and a little mini marshmallow body. Tall, thin, and blows in the breeze. Uh, And this is like a perfect example of what I was talking about with My Blue Heaven, where it's like, you got a murderous row of Goombas here. This is a Goomba. Yeah, well, they were all making this movie. That's why they couldn't be in. I know. Yeah. 
Uh, in particular, uh, you got Tony Sirico, who would go on to play Polly Walnuts on The Sopranos. Uh, he doesn't have quite oh yeah he silver wings. Over he there. was he and he was in White Lotus, right? That one. No. Well, oh no, I'm sorry. Imperioli was in White Lotus. Yes, Imperioli. Who was also in this movie? Imperioli also in this that's, movie. They're, that's why I was confused. They, there are a grand number of Sopranos people in this movie because it's like if you're going to make a movie about it, I'm surprised Gandolfini didn't show up. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he was around, or maybe he was doing theater then, or 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 what, or maybe he was just too young. Yeah, I'm not sure. Also, Gandolfini, I'm sure he acted when he was younger, but I feel like he was one of those people that like broke out as an older man. Like he, The Sopranos was his big breakthrough, and he was I don't know, forty five, fifty, whatever he was when he made that show. Thirty five. I have no idea how old he was. He could. You, you could tell me he was thirty or fifty, and I'd be like, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, l- large bodied Italian men kind of have that effect. Yeah. And I love this. The, he does that line introducing Polly about how he, you know, he doesn't have to move for anybody. And we see these guys fucking with Polly's brother. And all Polly does is just stand in the doorway, and immediately it ends. And it's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just, it's such a beautiful. Like obviously the line tells you the thing, but then you see it perfectly illustrated in in that in that sequence, and it's just like, oh, this is wonderful. Like just like it's just so like just. Almost lyrical, I feel like, in terms of the you know the way that it displays this stuff. You want to hear something that's that's probably going to piss off a, yeah, a lot of uh, people listening. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I know Paul Sorvino from is Repo the Genetic Opera. I got to be honest, I know him from this movie, but not a ton of things. Like I oh, I assumed he was like very prolific outside of, <laughs> but I just in like I mean, movies well, not would, made for I, me. The Paul Sorvino is prolific. I just don't know a ton of his stuff. I mean, you know, he may have a part in The Godfather and not remembering it, or remembering it or whatever. And I'm certain that if I looked as IMDb, I'd be like, oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. I've also seen Repo. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I know him from this movie and, and you know, I know him from other I know him from this movie and then a lot of like cheap shit gangster drivel that came out in the 90s where they just like put Paul Sorvino in to get a little clout, you know? Yeah. Um, I one of my favorite bits in this movie, and it's just a little passing thing, but they're talking about how the their world works and that they would like steal shit and then sell it at a discount and and just like, you know, it was all profit, so it didn't matter how much you sold it for. But they they steal a shipment of these yellow sweaters mm-hmm. and then all of these tough guy gangsters are walking around in p- perfect Easter yellow sweaters as just like a bunch of little so the first time I saw that I thought it because the he up saying the, the taxi stand and I was like oh maybe it's like the cabbie sweater yeah yeah um so but yeah so w- very early we get you know the the violence his dad was Sheriff game. Meeker in Halloween four and five I think oh okay uh Henry's dad Henry's dad mm-hmm. okay uh, we get this guy who got shot. He comes to the door help, trying to get help. And Henry, of course, is like grabbing these aprons and helping the guy into the thing. And uh, Paulie's brother, who I think plays the the big shot executive jerk in Wayne's World, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a very long time since I've seen Wayne's World. Frank Frankie Sharp, Sharp Records, uh, the guy with the big limo at the end of Wayne's World. I'm pretty sure is Polly's brother. I forgot to look that up uh, as we're talking about this, but he gets starts yelling at Henry. He's like, "How many you wasted fucking ten aprons on this guy? Like, I gotta clean all these aprons. You got blood on all of them. Like, who, this sh- this schnook. We don't have to worry about him." And it's like this guy's bleeding to death on your stoop, and he's mad at the dirty aprons. Also, like, he's a little hydrogen you know, peroxide. Come right out. It's <laughs> just like this world is is fucking weird. Uh, there's some good old-fashioned male fraud and truancy. Yes. Uh, well, first, is we get our first food porn first, where we have the sausages on the big grill. Oh, I think that was around. It's, it's all kind of 
in the same. Okay. It's still the sausages are still in the coil. Yeah, it's it's he's they cook the whole coil and I assume that they just like kind of reel it out and cut hunks off for people, which honestly like bubble tape made me want to do that. Yeah, honestly, it made me want to do that. I've never I've, I've I've bought a coil of sausage, but I've always cut it up. But uh, yeah, I was like, oh, man, I want to I want to grill a whole coil at once. That's a cool looking thing. Put in your smoker. Um, no, I could. I would. I, 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 I want to make it. But uh, it's just just the first food porn of the movie. You got this little pan of the peppers and onions, and we got the sausage on the grill, and it just everything looks so good. This movie just makes you want to eat like an asshole. It does. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you um, leading up to what you were about to say, is the note that I wrote here is like the the power of this privilege is clearly so intoxicating to Henry of like the power that these guys have, and it's like. Not even the money, it's the respect that he appreciates so much. Like, he talks, there's one a line here about how, like, one day some kids carried his mom's groceries home, right? And it's like, he's making money, yeah, that's nice, but it's like, everybody in this neighborhood thinks I'm the king of the fucking world, and that's what matters to me. Yeah. So you talk about the truancy thing, I didn't want to cut you off. Yeah, because his father gets a letter from the school that he's been skipping for three months, I guess, which like, hey, yeah. school, where were you at month one and month two, even week yeah. two, yeah. you know? There's a lot of time between here and three months. Yeah. And they, they, this poor, you know, <laughs> beleaguered postal worker gets the shit kicked out of him and they stick his head in a pizza oven. And they say, if you, any mail from the school to his house goes to here instead. And then I guess he in turn put, did all mail for Henry yes. Hill's family went to the yes. pizza place? Yes. Yeah. And the mom had to complain about it and stuff that like she wasn't getting their bills. Yeah. Uh, we also, get introduced right around here we're gonna be back and forth out of order i think there's also a great multi-car explosion around this time oh yes that's henry's like first big uh you know criminal and endeavor for the family he's like smashing the windows of these cars and then pouring gasoline in them and and it all blows up and it looks amazing it looks beautiful marty knows how to film shit yeah (laughs) um Jimmy Conway tips him $20 for bringing him a seven. And there seven. were so many insert shots of hands putting money into pockets yes. and pu- money yes. into boxes and into holes. Was, I was like, good yes. Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jimmy, like just peeling off twenties and putting them in everybody's hand for every little thing. And then later we see Henry doing the same thing when he, they did the Copa, which we'll wait. Cause I got, a, I got 45 minutes on the Copa. <laughs> um, um, I love the, the, they're talking about the stuff that they would steal and like shrimp and lobster always did the best. It's like, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> no shit, dude. Um, we are introduced here to the young version of Joe Pesci who calls Henry. Oh, Henry. Th- I, I, I fully missed that connection. <laughs> oh, really? I, I, I knew that he was, I was like, oh, that kid just disappeared from the movie. I didn't make the connection that, that I missed. <laughs> that was Joe Pesci. Yeah, that's Tommy. I think he wasn't short enough. I feel like. No offense intended <laughs> maybe, to Mr. Pesci. Maybe the growth spurt like topped out. Like know? we needed to get a uh, the 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 turkey kid from Jurassic Park in here. Sure. Like I want someone that size. Um, but he calls uh, Henry Hendry, and I have a I have a nephew named Henry, and I I I did that once, and everybody looked at me like I had six heads, and I was like, wow, no one in this room has seen The Godfather or Goodfellas. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, it's got also a deep cut reference to Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, he does say it a lot though. Um, they're selling cigarettes that have been stolen, and I love this is just like he just has no concept of how the world works because these cops are like arresting him. He's like, it's okay, it's okay. How many cases do you want? And the cops are like, you. The fucking balls on this kid. <laughs> well, to be fair, all cops in that time period were like, hey, that's a dead body. You got yeah. 40 bucks? Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, absolutely. Absolutely. 
It was a ham I'm sandwich saying. and a crisp 20, and every cop was yeah. on your payroll. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just love that, uh, you know, the the vibe there. But he gets arrested for the first time. He doesn't tell anybody anything. And, you know, he walks out to uh, De Niro, who, my God, does he look like our dad all through. Oh, my God. All throughout this fucking movie. Particularly in the end, though, because <laughs> the end is what dad looks like now with the glasses. Yes. Yes. I The first time I watched this movie after dad started wearing reading glasses, I had like a, my a double God. take moment. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, our dad doesn't wear glasses look anything like these big honkers De Niro's got on, but it was just like the way he put the energy and everything. Yeah, it was like, holy mackerel. But at this point, my wife turns to me and she's like, I don't know if this is insulting or not, but Robert De Niro, and I was like, looks exactly like my dad. In what world is that insulting? (laughs) Well, he's kind of a crazy bastard in this movie. Like, I get why. You could say someone looks like someone without attributing them to the crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he looks uh, so much like our dad, which is probably why all of our friends were terrified of our dad. Yeah, and the people on Canal Street. (laughs) Yeah, well, he did. That was more that he kind of looked like a cop because he had the mustache. It's always my suspicion. Yeah. Well, and there was that. I think we said this before. They went to a Halloween party once as Da Vinci and the Mona Lisa. And and a not insignificant number of people asked why Robert De Niro was at the party. Not to him, but like... (laughs) Yeah, around yeah. him, like, oh my god, why is De Niro here? <laughs> that's that's so funny. Um, they have like all this joy. They're like clapping for him. And it's like you didn't you didn't squeal on your friends, kid. You did it right. You did you did what you're supposed to do when you get arrested. Mm-hmm. And we immediately cut to them, like you know, ten, fifteen, however many years have passed, and they're robbing these airport trucks. It's like the same people. Ray Liotta's a been fucking yeah. fox. <laughs> he he is good. This age, Liotta is just. I also think uh, this is this is one I always list in my not the great not that Ray Liotta is like some are awful actor in other things but like man Scorsese got the best out of him like mm-hmm. he is just so much better here <clears throat> than I ever think he he reached again and again not an insult like he's good I'm trying to think if I know him from anything else his last uh, credit was crazily enough Cocaine Bear since he just passed away. oh that's right he was in Cocaine Bear yeah uh, he he looks kind of like Matt Bomer in this movie. Oh, I can see that. Like from certain angles. Yeah. Uh, I really love the the symmetry of the introduction of Ray Liotta's character in the beginning and then Lorraine Bracco's character. It's these like these like dizzying one one on one shots. I, I just think it's like really, really like great stuff. Yeah. Um and then we go to the bamboo uh I love this bar. I was so sad when this bar got burned down. I have to say, they need more tiki cups. They do. It's not enough tiki. But I don't think these, I I don't think these men want to drink out of tiki cups. No. They were on a cruise or like in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think. When we see them in Florida later and they're like Bermuda short get ups, they would be drinking it there. Yeah. But I don't think they would be, you know, cheersing with a, with a tiki face cup and a a little umbrella sticking out and a pineapple slice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, their wives would, or their, or their, uh, their guma. Yeah, at the other table. <laughs> yeah, but they, they, it would be the guma's table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There'd be, I don't know, uh, instead it, of crayons and, and activities, it'd be like lipsticks and blushes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like in a little bin. Yeah, a communal <laughs> bin for them to all play with, with compact mirrors. <laughs> It's that random blue goop that comes up later in the movie. Yeah, I think it's a face mask. 
it, I mean, it must be, but it was really ghastly blue color. Um, and this is probably the most famous scene in the movie, of course, the How Am I Funny sequence. It, but, I, so, uh, first off, as we're the one shot through the bar and <laughs> they're introducing everyone, it felt like a Bob yeah, yeah. Burgers bit where they're like, Jimmy Two Legs, Jimmy No Nose. And this here is, is, is Frog I Legs. I think Bob's Burgers has done this bit. I, as you said that out loud, I, I'm, I'm having like a flash memory of that actually being a bit that they have done. It's hard to tell what like my brain's decided Bob's Burgers should do and what they have done. It's hard to differentiate sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, this, these are all really great. And like, again, this is the kind of movie that like a, a s- certain type of person is like, oh, well, all this stuff that doesn't advance the plot. And it's like, you're right. It's a hangout movie. But it's like, I love the part where it's like, there's Jimmy two times who they call Jimmy two times because he would always. And then he gets up and he's like, I'm going to get the papers, get the papers. And it's like the the cutting in and out of the dialogue to the voiceover the di- and back and forth and introducing all of these people who like ultimately don't have a ton to do in the movie, generally speaking. Yeah, yeah they're, they're window dressing. But they they shade out the world in a way that I find very satisfying as a viewer. Well, it's like with a musical. Some 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 songs are it's three o'clock. Let's sing about the fact that it's three o'clock. And then some songs are here's the story progressing through song you need them both yeah 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 um one of my favorite anecdotes about this movie and like it's not necessarily particularly uh relevant to the scene we're talking about but it, in looking over stuff made me remember um one of the cool parts of the first dvd version of this i owned was they had this um cool walkthrough with like one of the production people and they were showing like bits of the original script Oh, cool. Scorsese had like annotated in the margins, like this is when this song starts. Like he, as he was putting the movie together. It's got a great soundtrack. It does. It does. A lot of Scorsese's movies do have a great soundtrack. Actually, not to go too down a rabbit hole, but Scorsese filmed the final concert of the band, one of my bands of all time. Uh, So he filmed The Last Waltz, uh, which was a kind of a shit show of cocaine and insanity. That's the poster with the naked ladies on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, leader sort of, of the band was Robbie Robertson and, uh, he and Scorsese became great friends and he was kind of like the music supervisor on Scorsese's stuff going forward. So, cool. uh, yeah. So like up until I think Killers of the Flower Moon, Robertson was on, Robertson just died as well. Um, a lot of, a lot of people in this movie have recently passed, but, um, or associated with this movie, obviously Robert Robertson's not in the movie. Is but, Scorsese uh, the prestige? No, that's uh, that's Nolan, isn't it? Oh, is it? I, I'm trying to think of any because I don't think I think this might be my first Scorsese movie, unless there's like some random, more quote unquote girl um, movie he made that I would have watched. Uh, Hugo. Oh, you know what? I've seen Hugo. You're right. I've seen bits of Hugo. Okay, okay. that was the one I that was I was like maybe. Yeah, I've yeah. seen bits of Hugo because it was the inspiration for a, a a play that I costume designed, so I did like watch oh, for okay. the vibe. Yeah, I've seen a good number of Scorsese stuff. This one is by far my favorite, but I, I think a lot of people have very, very different ones. Um, all of his collaborations with De Niro are pretty special. Uh, the two of them I can see that. really, they were lifelong friends. Like they knew each other before they were making movies together. Um, and they just, they really, they clearly vibrate on the same wavelength. Like they, they, they speak a language together that makes sense. Um, and that's why they keep working together, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he's in Flower Moon as well. I also, uh, I also, I obviously, Pesci is incredible here. I still yeah. want to. I still wish I had the what if machine to be like, what if Joe Pesci had been the star of My Blue Heaven? 
<laughs> what would that movie look like? It would, yeah, it would have been interesting. It would have been. It, it would have. I would have loved that movie. <laughs> yeah, I would have yeah. believed that the the main character was an Italian mobster. Because I'm sorry, Steve yeah. Martin, I just don't. You just ate it. Uh, what's cool about this, and I learned this very recently, is a lot of this was put together by Pesci and uh, Leota, who were just kind of like fucking around and trying stuff mm-hmm. and, and practicing together and, and came up with this and liked it and brought it to Scorsese. And he was like, yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it. Well, because apparently Pesci said this happened to him. He said this to a gangster. Oh. Okay. Alleged, I mean, according I to IMDb, okay. he told yeah, a gangster okay. he was funny and it kind of elicited this kind of reaction. Yeah. I didn't realize it's, this was a fake out in movie world. Yes. Yeah, it's it's because it's not played that way until the very moment. It's like this to me is where you completely see not that we were unsure before, right? Like we've seen Tommy do a bunch of gnarly shit, but when you watch him do this to people that he cares about, you're you're like, oh, this guy's a fucking sociopath. Like, what's great is this, so literally, I'm. Um, this is this is probably Joe Pesci's first like real time on screen. Like he was in the beginning for three seconds, yeah, but this yeah. is the first time we're seeing like Pesci acting. He was, yeah. I don't know, talking for 30 seconds, and I went, damn, I wonder if he ever got an Oscar. And I looked at it, I was like, oh, for this movie. He got one for this movie. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this, this is the one right here. So you're watching it. I'm watching it happen. It, it is So much of this is, movie has the same energy as, I think we talked about this before, the, the, the table scene in Birds of Prey, where you and McGregor's character, yeah, like, yeah turns off the music in his club and like makes a woman stand on a table and cut off her dress in front of everybody. And it's the same energy of this. Like I'm, I don't know. Like this, this scene could end with a laugh. This scene could end with Joe Pesci shooting everyone in the face. This scene could end with Joe Pesci shooting himself in the face. Like, I don't know where this is going to go. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's one of those things you watch and like obviously you've seen a lot more of the things that have ripped it off i've certainly had seen things that had ripped it off by the time i watched this movie but it's like like when i watched birds of prey i was like oh shit they're doing goodfellas right and i didn't mean that like i don't mean that as a criticism it's like it's fine like everybody rips off See, i didn't i didn't think of even having watched them both i didn't think of it that way just because i don't think it's the same i just think it's a similar energy which just psychopathic sociopathic characters or wants to have that vibe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I thought McGregor was doing kind of the the like uh the smiling maniac thing that Pesci does so well here. But I, I didn't again, I don't mean it to be critical. I, I, I certainly enjoyed that Birds of Prey movie quite a bit. The weirdest uh parody knockoff whatever I saw was a uh a local realty commercial in New York in a cab oh oh. where uh, a nine year old girl did it. I think she was like the daughter. It was like a husband and wife realty team. Mm-hmm. And it was like mm-hmm. those two and their daughter and someone else playing cards. And at some point I, I blacked out. I like blacked back in. I was like, what happened? But she was like, I'm funny. Funny how? And I was like, you're nine. I haven't seen this movie, but I know that this is not appropriate for you, ma'am. <laughs> Uh, what I really love watching this, and again, it's like when you've seen the movie 10 times, you start just putting your eyes on different parts of the frame in, in a way that's like satisfying. Yeah, that's why how I watch Hocus Pocus now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and Find somewhere. And, and with Yeah, yeah. And in this one, what, what I really, really loved is the way that, and it spreads in a way that's really cool. So Pesci starts doing this and everyone's laughing and then they realize like, oh, the mood shifted. Like they, it's it's like they feel it in the air and you kind of watch one by one every guy who's not Ray Liotta. And Ray Liotta does this too, but Ray Liotta is 
playing it a little differently because he's the the center of this rage, you know, that's directed at him. But you watch all the guys at the table slowly go, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Oh, oh fun. Shit. Because because they've seen they like they've seen how bad Tommy gets, and they're like, oh no, like how far is this going tonight? And then like he pulls the gun out, and everyone yeah, he fo- he jokingly pulls a gun on his friends, and I'm like, oh god, yeah. He does it a lot in this movie, yeah. like many times, and I, like eventually, finally, De Niro's like, "Would you put the fucking gun away?" Like, it's, yeah, I, I just, yeah, but you know, this scene is like just such a masterclass, you know, in in the way that it's shot, the way that the frame is composed, the way that Pesci like changes the temperature and makes the pot boil, and like I said, the way all these background guys are just like, oh, like just really suddenly very afraid. It's just, it's just magnificent. Um, he, the bar owner comes over like not long after this tirade and is like, Hey, uh, Tommy, you owe me seven grand. <laughs> and the waiter's like afraid to approach him. He's like, yeah, I'd be, you know, shit, dude. Guy too. That's He's, your job, um, my dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so our next scene is this restaurant owner who is like bringing Polly in. I love the way this guy talks. Like he's, he's so nervous clearly. And is like. You know he hates Tommy, but he can't really do anything about it, and so he. It's again, they're they're, pret- they're saying, "Look how much money we spend here." It's like, well, you don't, you don't look at you don't pay. Me, look how much you're you owe. Like, spending. look how much yeah, you yeah. you you eat and drink here is the sentence. Yeah, but you don't spend yeah. shit here. Yeah, and he brings Polly in, and you're like, "Oh, this poor fuck doesn't even know what's about to hit him." Like you, like, you know, it's like even the first time you watch this movie, you're like, "This don't end well." He ruined you, my dude. Yeah. Oh, also, Polly breaks every- a bottle over this guy's face. Yes, yes, because he because he says shit about Tommy. That's right. You know, he 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 insults Tommy, and and Paulie won't stand for that because he's one of his guys. We get a, some brief homophobia. Person. Shockingly, this movie had le- way less homophobia than I thought it would. I was delighted in that when I rewatched it because I assumed there was more of it, but there's just I mean, a handful. Well, there's not really a lot of yeah, and there's also like not a gay character who really gets it in the movie, which is what you know you would expect. Yeah, well, I just normally that's for how for how gay all these men act. They sh- a lot of it, it's like, oh, this 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 fag, blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they they like you know Henry does the voiceover of like we ran up a huge tab and then when we couldn't run up any more credit and we maxed the joint out we set it on fire and there's that great sequence of Tommy and him like putting all these. Uh, uh, it, they're dipping it in the uh, the sterno fluid, right? Yes, uh, they look like tampons. They're dipping in the sterno. Yeah. Um, and then they're like jamming them up in the rafters of the building so that it'll all, you know, uh, you know, get ruined. And then they're just having this nonchalant conversation where Pesci's like, I need you to come on this double date for me. It's like the girl won't go out with me by myself. And they're having this argument where he's like, Tommy, I don't want to go on a date with you and another girl. I don't want to do that. And the restaurant is like billowing smoke and they're so <laughs> consumed by their fight that they're not getting away from the scene of the crime. In an alternate just, world, yeah. Ray Liotta's character is gay. That's why he didn't want to go on the date in a in a sliding doors world, and then all of a sudden we got woman voiceover, and I was like, "What?" Yes, yeah, yeah, and it's like I, it's like, oh, now the movie is now different characters driving this bus, and you're on it, you're on it with them, and I'm in love. I, she's tough as nails. She doesn't take shit. Yes. Yeah, so Henry stands her up, and she makes Pesci drive around to find him, and then she just up onto the curb, screaming. Yes, yes, yes. but. 
like it turns Henry on. Yeah. He loves that this wo- like he had no interest in this woman until she was like, You piece of shit. You don't treat me like that. Do you know who I am? You're not she doesn't say do you know who I am, but like I'm not. She basically said that. Like she's like, You think you're standing what? me up? No, I, I sorry, I just meant, do you know who I am? It's not like she's someone No, it's no person. Yeah, yeah. She just lives in the neighborhood or whatever. But yeah, I just, it's like it's just magnificent. And then And then they needle drop you know, and then he kissed me. Yes, yes. Yeah, the the soundtrack of this movie it's, is it slaps as the it's kids really say. Good, yeah. Um, so you you, I assume you've seen like watched behind the scenes stuff in this movie and read things. Yeah. In this sequence, as they're going in, the shot as I call. Yeah, it. the capital T capital S shot. Um, there's a point right before the kitchen where they like turn the corner and a waiter like dings I, a bell. I think I I think there are two cuts. I think there. I personally believe there are two cuts. You don't think it's a oneer? I think it's a fake oneer. Huh? So I. I think they. I think they shot it as a oneer like five to seven times, like however many times. Like I think they shot endless oneers, but they built two spots into the oneer where they could cut if they had to. I don't know if they did or not, but I think there is two spots for cuts. You just mentioned one, and the other one is a long swing on a on a. I think it's like a large silver kitchen apparatus. It's another mm. turn. And in that turn, you could hide a cut. Whether or not they do, I don't know. And I don't know that anyone's ever, like, you know, tried to go, you know, micro frame by micro frame to find if there is a cut. Because there are two spots. That my thought, assu- my thought, assuming it is. A- actually, th- actually three. I'm sorry to cut you off. You could also cut where they bring the table across. Oh, yeah. That would also hide a cut. Sorry, you should say your thing. I apologize. But assuming it is a one I think there's a point where they go, like, go through the, the back hallway first. And then there's a server chef kind of person standing at the doorway to the kitchen and eating a sandwich. That's like my dream. Oh God, I love it. Pause for two seconds to talk about sandwiches. Um, (laughs) I was, I saw something on Instagram or whatever. Oh God, you are going to do it. Okay. It's fine. Go, go, go. What? I thought you were being funny. No, I mean it. I just thought you were doing a bit. No, no, no. Pause for two seconds. Where this person was like, oh, let me show you a a technique for grilled cheese or whatever, for a good cheese, something like that. And they put three slices of cheese in the sandwich and then did the thing. And then the caption was like, I only put three slices for the video, guys. Don't worry. And then all the comments were like, yeah, I thought it was weird you put so much cheese in. And I was like, that's not enough cheese. Most a lot of people's idea of a grilled cheese is one single slice of American in between two pieces of bread. It's category. What is wrong with you? Who hurt you all? I I did a couple of grilled cheeses and soups recently. I was mm-hmm. a little sick, and I, like not that a grilled cheese is necessarily a sick food, but I was, I it was is. trying to restrict what I was eating. Um, but I did the the shred, and then if you that's what you so let it, my tr- you let it fall out of the sandwich uh-huh. a little bit, and you get those nice cheese burns that i well i put mayonnaise on the inside and put so it's a glue for the shredded cheese Mm, and then the slices on top and then i did it i do mayo on the outside i did it in i do it on the outside too but i like mayo okay i like the flavor but i did it in the air fryer because my my boyfriend's mom just gave us her old air fryer and i was like i'll try it in here it's good and crispy um but yeah the whole everyone was like i thought it was weird you put so much cheese in and i was like you're all wrong like who hurt you that's insane yeah. You deserve Three better. The cheese is is like a pretty minimal grilled cheese. Yeah, I put shredded cheese on both sides plus like four slices of cheese. Get out oh, of here! I just make a big mound and then put the lid on. Oh, okay, fair, fair, fair. That's just that's easier. Like I I put the bottom slice in the pan, the big hand, and you build it in the pan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but uh, yeah. But anyway, so this man eating a sandwich. He's he's honking on a sandwich, and Ray Liotta slips a 20 in his vest pocket or chest pocket of his suit. But he does, when he sees them turn the corner, he dings a bell that you would normally find in a kitchen for like, hey, order up, or I need something on the fly. And I, I, I wonder if that was cueing the kitchen to come to life so that way they didn't I bet you're right. they didn't have to be on for the five minutes of them walking the hallway and having business that way they could be like yeah, ding ding yeah. as soon as they turn the hallway hey everyone hustle and bustle to life and you can hide it in the context of the movie because in the kayfabe of the movie he's ringing the bell to let the kitchen know someone a vip is walking through oh true that too yeah yeah, so you're probably right, and it makes sense in the narrative as well. This, this I have had one experience in my life that was this cool. Mm-hmm. And, you told uh, me. I, you told me. I again. I don't know what's I podcast. Know, what's life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you've heard this story because when it happened to me, I was like frantically calling my whole family to be like, "The coolest thing just happened to me." But I, uh, I was in Savannah, Georgia, and I was going to this restaurant that's very hard to get into, or I really wanted to go to this restaurant that's very hard to get into, and. Um, you wait like a couple hours for it. And I was just going to go do it. And I was just like, I don't think anybody else who's on this trip wants to do this. You were at a wedding, weren't you? So I think I was actually there for St. Patrick's day. Savannah, Georgia weirdly has like a big uh, St. Patrick's day. And the woman I was dating at the time had a friend who lived there and was like hosting us and stuff. But so I was talking about this as we were at like a gathering and the person was like, Oh, like what's your plan? I was like, Oh, I was just going to go stand in line. And she was like, let me call my friend for you. And I was like, huh? And she's like, my friend, my friend's a realtor here and does a lot of house rentals and she has some connections. So she might be able to help you out. And I was like, all right. So we, we get this text. That's like, go to the dumpster at the back of the restaurant <laughs> ten, ten, 10 minutes, five minutes before they open. So the restaurant opens at like nine, say, um, you know, go there to five or 10 minutes before they open. Like, all right. So me and my girlfriend at the time, and one of her friends had decided to come along and we go to the back of this restaurant. I wish I remember the name of the restaurant. It's a very famous like soul food place there. It's like a woman's name. I can't recall, but, um, so, so we go to this dumpster and I'm like, this is the weirdest thing. And then the back door swings open, sure enough. And they're like, oh, are you so-and-so's friends? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, come on. And they walk us through the back of the restaurant. It was exactly like this. Yeah. We walked through. They're like, you know, the chicken's Prepping. bubbling in the deep fryer. You know, the chicken's coming out of the deep fryer. The creamed corn's being put into the bowls. You know, all that beautiful stuff. And I, I was like filming my feet, like like not filming up like obnoxiously, but just like filming it happening. Cause I was just like, I can't believe I'm going to edit. Then he kissed me over top of this. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm having a good fellows moment. This is like one of the coolest experiences I ever had. And they walked us to a table and then they opened the doors and people like walked in who had been waiting in line. <laughs> Obviously <laughs> I was an asshole, but all these people who were waiting in line, like were like, I could see them being like, why the hell are there people sitting at the table already? <laughs> I love they it. Had, like put us. Yeah. And it was like one of those, uh, it's served buffet style, so it's like big communal tables, and then they just put the plates oh, okay. down, and you just like pass plates around, family style, communal style, whatever. But yeah, I, it was like one of the coolest experiences in my life, and every time I've watched this movie ever since, it gives me such a lovely, uh, you know, warm tinglys. But uh, I love the shot in this one, and I'm sure it's how those people felt, because I objectively was was a jerk in that story to the people. You're not a jerk. Um you know, I mean, it's I, it's fine. Like I, I acknowledge it. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it again. But you know, I was like, you know, those people waited a long time. I got, I got special treatment for no reason. But they bring the table in, and then you hear the guy in line be like, "I've been waiting two hours. Where the hell did that table come from?" And the maitre d's like, "You're next. You're next." Yeah. Uh, we get some. They literally family. carry a table in for them. It's wild. <laughs> yeah, and then put the little light on it. They, and it's the they put it in the front of the restaurant or the club rather. 
that we get the uh, the Batman champagne, of course. Uh, the uh, the Dom. Oh yeah. And then uh, Henny Youngman doing some some uh, one liner jokes. It's a bad. Here's oh, the wife, thing. Please. Take my wife is a funny setup that he didn't he didn't do it right. It's supposed to be like women are funny. Take my wife. No, really, take her. Or like, yeah. You have to set it. He literally just goes, "Take my wife," and I was like, "Hang on, sweetheart, you I gotta think, I, say I, something I first. Think it's, I think it's like that's his signature punchline, and so he's like, it's like almost like the band doing the the hit to start the show. I guess I was like, gr- I recent I I recently heard there's some like has been banned opens and closes the show with their big hit. And I thought that was like the genius move of all genius moves, Frank. So essentially, it would be if if Smash Mouth opened and closed with All Star. Yes, a hundred percent that. Um, we get the Air France heist, and the uh, well, no, first it's uh, the wig commercial. Oh yeah, yeah. And when they start to shake down the wig man, Karen gets in trouble. Yes, yes. So we're... and and also also I uh, forgot to mention at the club. Karen's like, you tipped each one of those men $20. What do you do? Your hands don't feel like you work in construction. And he's like, oh, I'm a foreman. And that's when they then cut to the shaking down the wig man after watching his commercial. Yes. Maury. And his commercial where he jumps in a pool and is like, and the wigs look fine. And you're like, Maury, the wig is dry. Yeah, you clearly did the... <laughs> you clearly did a... You filmed this part first. Yeah. Um. Karen gets assaulted and calls Henry, who beats the shit out of this country. They were like two seconds scene at a country club, which yes. I don't know if it added all that much. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it could have just you could have just had her identify the man in this scene. And then, yeah, I think it's I think it's that this is the guy that Lorraine knows from the neighborhood. And like, she's maybe also dating this guy while she's going on some dates with Henry. Like, it's kind of casual. Yeah. It's just introducing this guy because you can also the thing you do get at the country club is <laughs> This guy talks to Lorraine and Henry just doing the clenched fist from Arthur. He might as well be bleeding. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's a big plot point that she's Jewish. And I was like, you're telling me in in 60s, 70s, New York, Jewish people were allowed in a country club? It was perhaps an all Jewish country club. Oh, you know what? That could be. Because I was like, I literally just read how the how. Babe and Bill Paley couldn't be members of country clubs because they were because he was Jewish. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if this one was like all Jewish folks. Okay, like probably the start of a JCC. Well, also it was just like New York at that in this era was like so neighborhoody and like just much like our grandfather used to talk about Philadelphia that like the like the, all of the neighborhoods were clustered around either like a racial identity or a you know religious identity yeah. or a cultural identity and it was just like. You know, this was an enclave of Italians. This was an enclave of people from this area. This, you know, all that. So maybe it was just that part of New York was a large Jewish population, and they all, you know, had their own space. Um, I have no idea. I'm yeah, just guessing. guessing. So <laughs> Henry gets a gun and beats the shit out of this guy. <laughs> yes, it's really, really violent. But it's like, you know, this is one of the times you're like, well, this one's kind of satisfying. So this guy does. It's satisfying. Oh yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I also love the symbolism of beating him with a gun. Like, yes, Henry could have easily just shot this, shot him all yes. to hell, like yeah. shot his yeah. face yeah. off. Well, it's I it's it's like the symbolism, as you said, of like next time it's not the, I'm not going to hit you with. Yeah, this. he is. Be, to quote Scarlet Witch, this is him being reasonable. 
Like, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> just know what I could do, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then he runs back to Lorraine and gives her the bloody gun, and we we see her hold it, and I was like. Oh, I bet later in the movie that she's going to like, I kept this gun and she's going to use it in the moment. We didn't know where she, we thought yeah. she was unarmed because we like see her hold it. And it's like a close up of her hand with this bloody gun. And then she folds it and puts it in like uh, the milk box, the milk box. And I was like, oh, it's going to be a thing. Like, this is going to come back. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. No, it's it. It truly, I think, is like showing her hand trembling because she's so turned on by him doing this for her. Because she says, like, I got to admit, it turned me on. I mean, yeah. She, yeah. But I, like, to me, it's like she, her hand, she's so, she is so smitten with this man, like, not only solving this problem for her now, but in perpetuity that she's like, I'm going to fuck that dude's brains out tonight. Moister than an oyster. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> um, That's the point. Um, uh, we cut, and I also love the other beautiful, this is, like again, just like a great edit. The gun gets wrapped in the cloth. And put in the thing, and we cut to the wrapped up glass. There's, there's a lot of good transitions in this movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the wrapped up glass for the Jewish tradition of you break the glass to start your marriage. And it's just like, my God. the, the just It's just like such a cinematic... Like, like I said to you before, it's like, even if you hate the plot of this movie, which like is perfectly valid if someone does, like... If you like movies, you could just like mute turn like you could probably mute it and still get stuff out of it. I think the music cues are worth having too. That's like, true. Yeah, like just even just like watching the edits and the way that this movie is constructed is like so wonderful. So I wrote this note a couple times, but this is the first time I wrote it. Uh this uh, wedding looks like our grandparents' photo albums. Yes, absolutely it does. In like 20 minutes, uh, we're going to get an actual photo montage that truly yes. just looks like we're flipping through <laughs> Nana Pop Pop's like scrapbooks. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of the outfits, you're like, oh, I could see Pop Up in that. Pop Up <laughs> and Cookie and Carm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we get the first little glimpse of uh, Scorsese's mom. I don't know if you know this, but Joe Pesci's mom in the movie is Scorsese's mom. Oh, I didn't know that. I love yeah, that. She was dad, so good. I wanted more of yeah, her. She's she's so charming. And his dad's in there too, real quick. It's they all have the same glasses. <laughs> oh, okay. Monster Coke bottles. There's a, his dad's in there too. I can't remember who his dad plays. I may have written it down later in my notes, but the his dad's also in there. Um I love the they all the men were named Peter or Paul or Petey or Paulie, and all the women were Mary. Uh, uh, Mar- Mar- Marie or Mary. Or yeah, Mary. Maria, maybe? Yeah, maybe it's Marie, Maria, or Mary, whatever. Yeah. Marie, Maria, whatever. Yeah. No, oh, it's Marie's. I have, sorry, I said Mary, but my note is Marie's. Yeah. All they have there, Maria or Marie. Marie. And then, <laughs> and there's even, and the the Paul Sobrino where he's like, uh, this is Paulie and his son Peter. No, wait, this is Pete and his son Paul. Even I get confused. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say there weren't enough uh, nonsense nicknames. Like our grandfather, yeah. Vincent, who was called Jimmy. So, so I have been thinking about this one a lot because I've I've shared this anecdote with some frequency. I could see where you hear Vinny and think it's Jimmy. I mean, I guess. Or that, like, in an effort to Americanize yourself, you turn Vinny into Jimmy. Because I think I think that I really do think it was like an Americanization thing, as to to be less outsidery. That is, <laughs> but Vincent doesn't mind. feel. It's not like it was Vincenzo. No, that's true. But like, you know, I. I think now you might encounter Vince's who aren't Italian, but I think at the time you probably only encountered Vince's who were Italian. And so it was just a that's way fair. of like maybe making yourself be a little more American. I don't know that. That's just my personal guess. I, you know, as I pondered this. 
Yeah, it's definitely like I don't think it's like a common like a a go to. Itali- it's a Philadelphia. It's it is a thing in Philadelphia of the era of our grandfather for sure, but it's not you know yeah. beyond that. Our grandmother was Joanne, but Joe but Josie. Or, yeah, well, she's Josephine. Josephine. I thought she was Joanne. No, Josephine. Yeah, and she was Joe, which is logical. Yeah, or Josie. Yes, I think her friends growing up called her Joe. Pop up called her would say Joe. Okay. So I always. Oh, you know what? No, I'm getting because I get mail for a Joan Leno. And I'm like, that's uh, not. Yeah, no, not her. Not I, I was don't like, know who that is? I don't know who that is. I just she could be related. I, I just don't know her. Uh, we get the envelopes. So many envelopes full of hundos. <laughs> yeah, and they're dancing, and she's like, "What about the bag?" And he's like, "Oh, you don't have to worry about that bag here." Yeah. <laughs> and it's like he doesn't say this, but he's like, "There's more guns in this room than a police armory." Yeah. Unless you see uh, Jake Peralta in a in a curly wig, I think we're yes. fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I, there's a great scene where uh, Lorraine Bracco's mother, who I think is really good in this movie, yeah, her dad is like such a such a funny bump on a log, but the mom is great. Sorry, I stepped. No, up. she she I I love her. Although I did start to get confused that like I thought Maury was his father-in-law. Maury the wig guy. Yeah, and then the one later in no. the end, because I was like, he talks about Belle, and I was like, I thought Belle was his mother-in-law. That's why I started to get a little confused towards the end. I don't remember the mother-in-law's name, so maybe it is Belle. But the, the, the Lorraine Bracco's father is sitting on the couch. He's only in this one scene, I think. Oh, is he? Okay. He's, he's like, reading the paper and, like, not participating in this fight. Like, Lorraine Bracco and her mom are having, like, a teenage girl mother fight. It's very teenage girl. Um. And the, obviously, it's because Henry's not home yet, and and clearly Karen is upset. But the her mom's way of her mom pointing it out is making it worse. And then of course Henry walks in the door, and the two of them immediately light into him, and he just turns around and walks right silently back out of the house. Yeah, like I, not a word of acknowledgement, not a, nothing. And then it turns to like, wait, no, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. And he just starts laughing and gets in the car with Joe Pesci. It's like six o'clock in the morning. It's ludicrous. Yeah, but it's like, mom, he has friends. He's spending time <laughs> with them. Yeah, right. Um, we go to the Mary Kay party, which is when Lorraine meets all of the Marie's. Ileana Douglas is there. Yes, yes. Of rock and roller coaster fame. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, I hope they keep her when awesome. they retheme. Get her back in the studio. Come on. <laughs> Ken Marino, too. No lines. Just be there. Yeah. Uh, and there's a great thing where the one woman's talking about somebody made a pass at her or you know know, did something she didn't care for and it's like but how can you tell him and the other woman's like well Vinny would kill him you can't tell her yeah you can't tell him that yeah exactly they're all like it's they're not doing a bit it's not like people do exaggeratedly like oh i'd kill that guy it's like no these women are like this they are complicit and okay with it yeah he would do a murder and i can't have that on my hands Mm mm-hmm and then, and then they all uh, had bad a, skin and wore too much makeup. Is how yeah, Lorraine Bracco described yeah, them. Yeah, and the outfits are awful. It's all these pink, like shushy, whatever nightmares. Uh, it's like like but I love like all like a like a chintz like a chintz pantsuit. Yes, yes, and I love the way that this woman tells this anecdote, which is like so clearly. Sh- full bullshit where she's like next thing you know the gun goes off this kid gets killed and it's like no he fucking murdered somebody like it didn't just guns don't just like casually do this there's a lot of a lot of work goes into making sure guns don't do that 
Yeah, yeah. Like uh, also looking at you, James Cameron in True Lies. That's not how guns work. <laughs> yeah. Although I will give the, that scene a pass because I do think it's hilarious. It was hilarious, but like, come on. Um, and then. Karen's talking to Henry after this, like, you know, talking about the prison thing. And he's like, guys like me don't go to prison unless they want to. He wanted to get away from his nagging wife. Yeah. (laughs) And then we cut to actual, like, photographs, high flash photographs that these are the ones I was like, oh, shit. No, this is I could probably go into my my photo box and pull out 10 photos that look just like this from Hannah Papa. Yeah, about them uh, going on vacation and stuff. Yeah, vacations, partying, drinking in like cabana chairs. Oh, the birthdays too, with like the 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 men in the shirts, the specific like not quite Hawaiian, but in that ballpark, and then wearing the little ha- party hats and smoking the cigarettes. Uh huh. Or a cigar. I feel like there were a few cigars in this movie. Yeah. Oh, plenty. I, honestly, like I've never been a cigarette smoker. This movie, you kind of want to. Kind of makes you want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I've had a cigar 10 or 12 in my life, it's like, but it wasn't the cigar that I was chosen for. It's like, man, I kind of want a cigarette. Yeah, you look at it like, it, they look kind of cool. And they all And they all make it look so, so like, pleasurable. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get why they've, like, wanted to make it less, they wanted to put less smoking in movies. Because you watch a movie like this, and you're like... Well, the irony is, movies. we've seen uh, Kurt Russell smoke a lot, and I don't think we've ever had yeah. that statement, we've ever made that statement before about that. It's I, and he is the king Kurt of Russell, cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Kurt Russell makes smoking look very cool when he does it. But there's something about the way that, like, when Jimmy Conway lights a cigarette, it looks like such a pleasurable act. That yeah. I'm just like, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I love De Niro in the casual wear too in this montage of of shots. So he's got the like, like I said, there's like Hawaiian-ish shirts and the, yeah, they're close the enough. Shorts. They're like bowling shirts. Yeah. 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 Bowling shirts is a good way to put it. Um. And this is where uh, we alluded to in the beginning, where uh, someone gets out of jail. What's it? Buppus? Brass? Breps? Billy Bats. But also, you're leaving out a particularly memorable scene. Oh, the weird blowjob like, moment? <laughs> where she's like, I want to go shopping. And he's like, all right. And she's How like, much money? And she holds up her fingers. <laughs> like three inches apart. And then gives him a blowjob. She starts to give him a blowjob. And he goes, oh, all right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, this is Billy Batts, who also was in The Sopranos. Um, he was one of the head of, in The Sopranos. He's one of the crime family heads who I can't remember the name of the character right mm. now. Um, but he knew Tommy back in the day when Tommy was like was a shoe shine boy, much like Henry. Yeah, it's the same thing. Also, to- we have to admit, Tommy Wart was wearing a full suit when we met him as a ten-year-old, eleven, twelve-year-old. Yes. yes. So like, I don't think you get a shot of Joe Pesci in the Cabana wear. Oh, never once. But I'm saying when he was yeah. when when Henry Hill was a was a twelve year old, thirteen, what a teenager, whatever. He just kind of dressed like a teen, for, uh, like a young kid of the era. But yeah. <laughs> young Joe Pesci always dressed like Joe always Pesci. Had a suit, yeah. And honestly, this scene with Billy Bats I find really interesting because, like, the first thing he says is not a full compliment, but is complimentary, right? Where he's like, "This guy worked his ass off." He always had the shoe shine. He did a great job with it. Like, it's no wonder he's standing here like this now because this guy always worked so hard. Right? Yeah. Like, he's he's clearly well, being a I think he says, get your shoe shine box. He, he makes the the jab first, then yes. backs it up with a compliment, quote unquote. Yeah. Then yes. goes back in. And again, yeah. this scene he, yeah. had the same energy as the table scene in, in Birds of Prey. Yes. And, and, and like, with the at the moment where... Joe Pesci leaves with his date and you're like, oh shit. 
<laughs> something bad's gonna oh, happen. Oh, something bad's gonna happen here. And he's like, keep him here. Don't let him fucking leave. And he takes, he's like frog marching his date out the door so he can take her home so that he can, you know, deal with this guy. Uh, and then we cut back in. And this is a, like also the great music cue stuff. They play um, Donovan. Um, oh, Under the Water, <clears throat> which yeah, I know from Futurama. Yes. Is it Under the Sea? Below the Ocean. Yes, that's what it is. Thank you. I was like, it's the song when they go to the lost yeah. city of Atlanta, of, a, yeah. of uh, Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta, <laughs> more than just a Delta hub. There's a Coca-Cola bottling plant <laughs> and a, the Delta airport. The, the twist of that episode where Fry is like, oh, I'll have sex with this mermaid. And she's like, I laid my eggs in the corner and now you fertilize them. He's like, ah, yeah, right. It and it's Parker Posey. Yeah, yeah. Um, but th- this is like one of the most violent sequences in the movie, but even this like really like super violent scene is shot in such a way that, that like it puts it more in your head than on the screen. I the camera like, is, like I, maybe again, maybe my brain's making it up, but it feels like the camera like flies over the people. Like as yes. Pesci comes in, Henry Hill like runs to the door to lock yes, it and like lock it. Yeah. And it, like the camera's like flying over them as Joe Pesci like beats the shit out of this, it shoots him. Yeah, yeah. And we get the uh, the De Niro kicks for the first time in the movie. He does mm-hmm. them a few times, but De Niro has this classic little like wrestling style stompy kicks. Uh, and then the craziest part is Pesci being like, "I didn't want to get blood on your floor. I'm so sorry." Like he's like genuinely very yeah. sad that he made a mess in Henry's nice restaurant. Not that he killed this man. Well, that's that th- that's he- what I kind of love about it in, in the like sociopath sense that like. That's yeah. all the conversation after a death. Immediately, the conversation is a very practical. Okay, well, we got to. I don't have any fucking lime, so you have to dig the hole because I'm not. I'm not cleaning up your mess anymore. Like, yeah, yeah. It's all very practical and like from an acting yeah. standpoint. Like, it and would be. De Niro is is like I dented my fucking shoes. Like he's pissed off that he has to get his shoes fixed. Exactly. Not, yeah. not yeah. like the, I would love to play a character like this just because there's so much like you can swing as big as you fucking want and then like the comedy to me comes in those moments of i didn't mean to get blood on your floor like while he's a man's face is like raptor like he's got pieces of teeth and and face on his fist yeah 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 and they're actively wrapping him in sheets so they can put him in a trunk tablecloths yeah yeah tablecloths thank you that's obviously what it is yeah it's 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 a movie that's like pretty funny, but is just like, but funny for like, and to me, it's similar to how Heather's is funny. Like it's that same like pitch black. Like yeah, yeah. If you're not if you're not ready for it, it's not funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so they like they they drive out to the middle of nowhere to to you know they're, or they're gonna drive out to the middle of nowhere. They need to get a shovel. There's this like housing double. They have to get a shovel, so they go to Pesci's mom's house. Or, or I think he lives with her. I think so. I can't. Yeah, it's I think, it's I, a little yeah. unclear, but I think he does. Yeah, he like maybe he has his own apartment, but he sleeps there a lot. Whatever it is, but she's awake, and then she's like, "Oh no, I'm I, I'm gonna make you guys something to eat." It's, it yeah, feels very much like our grandmother did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, Dad told the story of her making breakfast for them. Didn't he t- tell a story of her them coming home in the middle of the night and her making food for them? No, it was I they. Feel like I remember the they story. got home drunk. Oh, yes. And she yes, woke better, them up better. banging pans and I think like banging a pan and saying there's, a, but it was a full breakfast downstairs. Yeah. So she, yeah, yeah, it was it, like, the pan was saying, don't dr- get drunk again. And then the food said, I always love you. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, They she woke them up at like 6.30 when they all were clearly like dead with hangovers. Which I'm, she was no stranger to. Yeah. Yeah, they partied. They partied. Yeah. Um, but the, I also like, uh, the ice cream needs to thaw for a little bit. Do you want a popsicle while you wait? Like yeah, that energy. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, I can't quite tell what she makes here. I always assumed it was pasta, but then De Niro puts ketchup on his pasta. Hey, I saw him put ketchup eggs? on his plate, and I wanted to know, yeah. A, De Niro as a human would never do that. I have a hard time yeah. believing De Niro as a human Although, would put ketchup but, but, on but like, pasta. But, like, Jimmy Conway's not Italian, so, like, maybe Jimmy Conway likes ketchup on his pasta. Like, oh, that's true. I, forget, I keep forgetting that they're not full of, like, <laughs> it's the, the weird, like, blood quantum nonsense. Yeah, well, Jim- Jimmy Conway is just fully Irish. He's not Italian at all. Oh, really? Oh, I just yeah. assumed he was halfsies. Yeah. Leota's character is halfsies, and and Pesci's character is a full Italian guy. But but uh, Jimmy Conway is just Irish. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, but I I then I was like, is it eggs? Like eggs is the more practical thing to her to have made at this point, right? Like she she's got some like leftover pork chops that she reheats. She makes them, but a hundred percent she's got like she got noodles. She got noodles and she oh, got gravy. Oh, 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 absolutely, she does. Absolutely, she does. I it's certainly no way that she doesn't. But I just was like, you know, this might this is more of a time for eggs, maybe. But I can't tell what it is. So, but she she's really sweet. I like she's. I love her. Energy. I want I want a movie of her. <laughs> yeah yeah i want the sequel to goodfellas i want two sequels to goodfellas i want the lorraine brocco story and i want joe pesci's mom's story um, and they both yeah. better be the same length as this movie she's so sweet in this scene that like when they talk about all the stuff later with joe pesci being killed it heart actually sad it's heartbreaking but not for him yeah. <laughs> for her like yeah, i don't yeah. sorry yeah. you're yeah. a goblin monster joe pesci yeah 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 he is but yeah, i love like, your mother sad he's dead but you're sad that his mother doesn't get to have the open casket yeah they did to him like it's it's really well done uh so they um this is the scene from the beginning where well also we, we get the painting can't forget the the, oh, the, the two the two painting. dogs the t- yeah one looking this way one's looking that way and the guy's in the middle he's like hey what do you want from me yeah <laughs> perfect art criticism it feels it feels very improvised yeah um so they the the scene in the beginning they kill the guy they bury him in upstate New York and then we get some casual racism about Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is I was like you're yeah. stepping out on Karen you're stepping out on Lauren Bracco get the fuck out of here with her it's crazy yeah with that so you don't get any tweets but yes agreed it's crazy what because it's what tweets would I get you said Lauren Lorraine Lauren Bracco oh I meant Lorraine yeah yeah I know you did that's what I was just saying. At first, it's Ilana Douglas, right? And then it no, it's it's never Ilana Douglas. It's okay. There's it's the same woman in this scene, and then later when he buys her an apartment, and then later it becomes Debbie Mazer. Okay, okay. Oh yeah, I said for Zabok, it's Debbie Mazer. I mean, it's very similar energy. Yeah, no, it's very similar actresses. That that's that is a borderline to be more Courtney Cox. Oh yes, it is. Debbie Moore is in the new Feud show, and I keep thinking she's Courtney Cox. <laughs> I will say, I had no disrespect intended, they both look nice, but they both have had a bunch of work done, and now I think they look less alike as adult. Uh, That's fair. Adults. Yeah. That's fair. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, I just wrote, yeah, yeah, the racism. Um, the knife also that they take from Joe Fesci's mom's house is a freaking monster. It's, it's like the one I found in, in a Marshalls the other day and sent a picture yeah, to you. Like the it's size of your forearm. The full size of my forearm, because it's for an industrial yeah. kitchen. Yeah. 
Uh, we got more crooning. We're at we're on a the the the, the Sammy Davis Jr. I wish music was not as readily accessible, and that this kind of club was still a thing because I could have jobs. <laughs> I could have a job. <laughs> I'm sure there are clubs that have music like this. Very few and far between. It's, the problem is music is so consumable now. Like any song you want. Oh, I want to hear Taylor Swift sing uh, "Ready for It" live at 2000 or 2008 concert in Albuquerque. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah, and then that's what yeah. you're gonna get. Whereas, that's like, yeah. it used to be you had People a record. Still like live music, though. Not, I feel like casual live music is more of a punchline than anything. The key, the key is going to New Orleans. To well, be quite honest with you. Well, <laughs> because they I'm not gonna get booked in New Orleans. Now. I'm gonna see it, but I'm not gonna get booked in New Orleans. Uh, you never know. Uh, they're they're on the dates with their. It was the I forget what the days are. Fridays are for the girlfriends. Saturdays are for the wives. I think wives. Okay, so they're all out with their girlfriends, and the one is talking about Sammy Davis Jr. and how she could see that a white woman would fall for him, and that turns into like a whole yucky thing we don't need to dissect. But like, of course, these guys are racist. They're also misogynist and homophobic. It's like not surprising. Um, but they 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 find out that they're like looking for Billy Bass. Like people are. Paul Sorvino says to Henry Hill, like, "Hey, they're looking for him," and Henry Hill lies. Yeah, yeah, and so they uh, they know that they're going to have to go deal with it though. because also, so they're looking for him, and also there's going to be a condo development where they buried him. Yes, yes, yes. So they we get this like Evil Dead looking shot. Yeah. Of this, like, harsh yeah, red like, spotlight from behind, so all the men are in silhouette digging up this, like, grisly bone body. Honestly, Scorsese is such a nerd for movies, it would not surprise me one iota if he had seen Evil Dead and liked that look and, like, wanted to do something similar. It's just, it's, it's, this movie has a lot of style, but I wouldn't say a lot of the shots are stylized. This shot is... There's a couple, but, yeah. This shot is stylized. Yeah, I would I would say like the thing with Sam Raimi and I love we this everybody on this podcast loves Sam Raimi like Sam Raimi is always doing it. Scorsese sometimes does it. Okay, is how I would break them down. Like pretty much every Sam Raimi shot is like something's going on with the camera and like Scorsese uses that. Except usually it's like oh the tripod is broken and one leg is shorter, so the whole shot is tilted and yeah yeah we can't afford to go buy a new one. Right, right. They, it's, it's Ted, lay on the ground and make the tripod even. <laughs> oh, the the tripod moving is just Ted breathing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The Ted, camera pulsing breath, slight, Ted. slowly. Ted, you gotta hold your breath. <laughs> Sam, I'm I'm like wearing the full Loretta suit. It's like <laughs> Henrietta. I mean, it's like it's it's kind of like a lot. <laughs> Shut up, Ted. <laughs> We're picking you up with the sound. Oh, poor Put in these white contacts and shut up. <laughs> T- Sam, I can't see. Sam. Hold this I chainsaw. <laughs> uh, spit this soup on people. It'll be fine. <laughs> this is where we see Debbie Mazur for the first time, who I know yes. from mostly from uh, she's in like five minutes of Batman forever. Ah. She and Drew Barrymore are uh, Sugar and Spice, who are two faces, like oh. hench ladies. Oh, weird that Drew Barrymore is in that movie for two minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, it was the time when there wasn't a lot, which I think she needed some help. Um, so she, pl- Drew Barrymore, plays Sugar, who's all like angels and whites and pastels yeah, and yeah. shears, and then Debbie Mazur plays She's the Spice, which is like latex large- and leather and. 
the, the goth girlfriend yeah yeah yeah. so like i think the joke is that like they each prepare him dinner and Barry morris is like angel food cake and like uh lemon spaghetti with like a light dressing yeah yeah and debbie mazer's hair probably yeah angel hair pasta yes yeah, so debbie mazer's like uh it's dark chocolate like black forest cake and like crushed beetles in some like it's like the <laughs> It's uh, it's what's his face doing Batman? So there's no subtlety. Yeah. What was yeah. his name? Uh, not Burton, but the next guy. Yes, Schumacher. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like that old Queen. What's his name? <laughs> um, the I, the thing that I really fi- like the 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 scene here just like illustrates how disposable they find the women who aren't their wives because he's like throwing his current mistress on the bed and like clearly like wants to get down and they're all like oh stop she's talking to us and debbie mazar's like i'd like a slice of that yeah she's 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 in line for a slice of beefcake yeah um we it's like oh clearly he's about it's it's so wild the way that they the way they act and treat their wives whether with each other versus when they're actually with their wives they're like you can't you can't divorce her so make her happy (laughs) it's like hang on hold up yeah 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 well, I think it's like you can't divorce her because she knows too much. And if she's your wife, she could never turn on you because you can't test. You can't compel a spouse to testify against the spouse. But well, don't the ex-wife, these girls. So they all pretend these girlfriends don't know anything. I don't think the girlfriends know much about the goings on. Like Clearly, Debbie Mazar is in on the drugs eventually. And stuff. Yeah. But I don't think this like other girl knows anything about him other than that. He's like you know rich and well connected yeah that's true like he's not talking about business around her you know but lorraine brocco is hearing about business yeah even if it's just like the oh you got to go upstate and do that thing with the other thing you know it's just like enough that you know, they all talk in that weird non-code uh we're down in the basement playing cards here's michael imperioli who i wrote as sopranos and white lotus guy <laughs> uh he's spider here and fucking sociopath joe pesci Whips his gun out because he didn't bring him a drink. Starts shooting at his feet and shoots this guy in the fucking foot. And then is like, "Why, why are y'all mad at me?" Yeah, don't make a big fucking thing about it. Yeah. So they take Spider to the hospital. Henry goes, which I assume was just a veterinarian. Like, oh, almost certainly. Although it wouldn't shock me if these guys had a doctor on the payroll, like a doctor, doctor. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, veterinarian is usually the trope in these things. Um, um, Karen, Karen throws the keys out the window. She's like, you're not going out. <laughs> yeah. And, she, and he's trying to gaslight my Lorraine Bracco and I'm not having it. <laughs> I also, is this also the scene where they show the closets? Or is that, yes. They're like, the crazy closets. Yeah. Where it's like <laughs> this rainbow cornucopia of the same outfit. In I love it. And he has like 200 suits. It's it's beautiful, and all the, the, he has he has it's like when you go to the men's warehouse or whatever suit store you go to, and there's like Jose Bank, Bank, right? Yeah, <laughs> Jose Bank, Jose Bank. And it's just like <laughs> have we told that? I don't know. We have. When you were when Andrew was little, he thought that it because was a bank. so I will I I was very into Homestar Runner. Yeah, oh, and yeah, one sure. of the characters was Strong Bad, who talk like this, and so I saw Joe S. Joe S. J O S. J O S. Period A bank. And I didn't know you're supposed to say Joseph because I was a stupid little child. Yeah. So I you thought. You could say Jose Bank. But I thought it was 
just a bank, like just a bank, but in a strong bad very voice. Cas- very casually branded bank. Yeah, it's it's when, just a bank. Yeah, but like when you go in there and you go to the blues, they have like a wide array of hues in blue, and it's like Henry's like one of each. Uh huh. I'll take the lot. Um, we go back to Spider, and this time Spider stands up to Tommy, and which like, could yeah. go either way. I yes. feel like yeah. there's a all, there is a reasonable world where Joe Pesci's like, oh, right, I fucking respect you. Yeah, yeah. There, right, that is a world that I balls. can see. Yeah, you got some fucking balls on you, kid. I like you. And instead, he fucking can't. Actually, it would have been interesting to have this happen twice. Like, have someone else toe up against Joe Pesci, and Joe Pesci lets him live. Just to, like, show the duality. Because I truly think that it's not wild to think that there's a version where Joe Pesci uh, lets someone live for kind of mouthing off. Because I think he, sure, he would yeah. also be like, oh, I, I respect you. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a world in which it's like, oh, you did the right thing. You stood up the guy. No, instead he fucking kills him. Mm-hmm. Which everyone's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Tommy? And immediately, this is where uh, I was saying earlier with uh, De Niro being like, I don't have any fucking lie. You're digging the fucking hole this time. Yeah. Lime, yeah. not lie. Yeah, lie. Although lie also is acidic, isn't it? Probably, Caustic, yeah. I think is the word. Yeah. Uh, Karen goes after... Karen, the, I the... love... She brings the kids and just starts, like, pounding yeah. her fist on all, like, her, her the, the, the side pieces, like, door buzzer button and all of the neighbors. Yeah. Calling the super. You have a hole living in to be. I, w- I will stand here all day and let everybody walk in and know there's a whore here. I love it. <laughs> and after this, she pulls a gun on Henry. Yes, she does. In bed with, he's asleep, taking a nap or something. It's such a good close-up of her, like, over the barrel of the gun, and then s- the switches back and forth from, like, Karen with the gun to Henry in the thing. Um, just, like, really awesome. Both side, Both of them look great in these close-ups and also are, like, bringing so much to the table in, like, micro-facial movements and stuff. It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. I don't love that he gets the upper hand and, like, hits her. I'm like, no, respect her for, no, for standing yeah. up for her fucking self. If she was right, a man, right. you no, would. He, he, Well, he did that before, but not anymore. Now she has a role to play, and she's not playing yeah. it. Yet. Well, don't step out. You see how the relationship Motherfucker. changes. No, I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm being Karen. Guy, I'm being Karen, yeah. Karen Hill. Yeah. And this is that intervention you mentioned where they're like, what are you going to get a divorce? You can get a divorce. Just get back over there. And they're like, your like, wife's co- talking to my wife, and now I don't I feel like dealing yeah. with it anymore. Now I'm fucking dealing with it. Now I, I don't want to deal with it. So I'm going to send you on a trip, and when you get back, it's all going to be fine. And they show them going to So the did camp, they kill his girlfriend? Is that what happened? Like, because she disappears from the movie. Oh, no, no, never mind. I lied. She, like, she visits him in prison. I lied. Yeah. Forget yeah. that. No, no, the one who visits him in prison is Janice. Is, is, is it Janice? Okay, I thought it was uh, Debbie Mazar, but you're right. They uh, almost feed a man to the lions? Yes. Uh, my wife watching it is like, are they really Are they really going to throw him? To are we going to see this? Is that in this movie? Yeah, and I was like, no. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, it doesn't seem... It, you would believe it would come. It's absolutely in the bounds of this movie. Turns out uh, the... Sister of the yes, guy? Yes, sister. Guy? Is a typist at the okay. FBI. Yes, and so they end up getting 10 years in prison for this little thing. I thought it was kind of lame that of De Niro wasn't Julian. in the same prison. I assume that's how it really was IRL. Yeah, But I was yeah. like, oh, De Niro's gone. But then they're like, Polly's in prison. I was like, hang on, how long has Polly been in prison? Like, why didn't you tell me that? Yeah. 
Yes, yes. Uh, the um, the bit where he like says goodbye to Karen, goes to a bar, has a drink with the guys, gets in the back of this caddy, and is like, "Take me to jail." Is so it's good. great. Uh, this is the iconic garlic scene. Oh, the Scorsese's dad is the one cutting the garlic. That's not, I thought that was Paul Sorvino cutting the garlic. Oh, sorry, the, the one doing the yeah. Onions. There's onions. There's a guy doing onions. I think I think that's I think that's Papa Scorsese making the sauce. I'm not 100 percent sure, but that's what I wrote down. Okay. Um, I wish I had those knife skills. The I yeah, I love I would love to be able to do that and just like throw it in the garlic and watch it dissolve, quote unquote. Babish Babish did it, and it. I mean, I, that makes sense. You would have to get it like less than paper thin. I, yeah, yeah. But Babish does make a version of it that, with a razor blade. That's that's fun fun to watch if you have not watched that binging with Babish video. It's worth it. Um, we have the drugs coming inside. And Karen is is like visiting, and this is what you're right. She does see Janice in the books, and she's out there like we're on our. Own. She's screaming, being like, "I'm sneaking prosciutto up my panties, and you got Janice visiting yeah. you." Yeah, yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I'm selling drugs. Janice is bringing me drugs," and it like you know this is this is really interesting too because this whole movie is about like well this whole credo of these people is like well if you're loyal to the people they take care of you and it's like okay well then you go to jail and no one gives a shit about your wife because she's out there mm-hmm. struggling you know she's on welfare. well she says that uh, Paul Paul Sorvino got out and won't talk to her. Yes, yes, and even though later he invites them yeah. over, right. Well, it's yeah, yeah, but it's just you know the the whole the whole thing is like Servino isn't gonna break off money for her because like who knows what happens with her husband, right? And it's like you know it, it's just the whole point. All these people preach all this loyalty and all that stuff, and then when it comes down to it, none of that. Yeah, it's not real. Uh, four years later, he gets I, out every time I see in- a length of time in a card like that, I read it in the fucking SpongeBob voice. Four <laughs> years later. later. Uh, I love the reveal here where he's like showing this bag of drugs to Pesci and De Niro. And then it was revealed that they're at the fucking parole officer's <laughs> office. It's like in- well, it's immediately after uh, Sorvino says, you got to get out of the mob. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got you a job to get you out of jail. Now you got to get out of the mob. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah. yeah, you were able to get out when you're the tip of the pyramid. You can you can leave. Yeah, yeah. But also, he's like, don't get involved with this drug shit. Like, it's bad news. Oh, was he telling him not to get involved in drugs, not not the mob? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. He was saying, get out of the drugs. Got it. And we go from the hard cut of, like, the threatening him not to be fucking around with drugs to the big snorting pile. It is. A big old snorting, snorting drug pile. Yeah. It literally looks like and powdered sugar. It, oh, it does. It does. And they make a ton of money very quickly, and we buy this really ostentatious house with these like Asian-ish influences. And, and mid-century modern too. Everywhere. There's like the the I love a reveal wall. She hits a button. She has a remote control for her house where she hits a button and the walls yeah. slide open to reveal a bar. Yeah. It's almost like the Flintstones house. I feel like it's that ch- it's chunky. That. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, this builds up to the Luthanza heist, which is a real thing that well, happened. That also, really did this heist, money from the first. Po- plane heist they made with the it was like hey i'm the the midnight to 6 a.m guard you walk in say you lost luggage you walk out i'll slide you the key you walk out with the money not even don't even pull a gun and then all of a sudden they're like we got jimmy two legs over there driving the car and we got jimmy no neck doing this and and jimmy no nose doing that and i was like what happened between then and now because i I think it's because the volume that they had to steal was such that they needed a truck. Oh, like it, 
it's a it's a physically large amount of stuff that they're stealing. So they need like a moving truck. Yeah. And so they need like a you know a wider net of people to kind of spread this around, which is how Samuel L. Jackson ends up in the gang for. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like a musician, I think. A very very young um, skinny Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. Yeah. He's like a rail in this. And then we meet Lois, who's the smuggler, and she's got this baby that she's using to smuggle drugs, which I find just del- delightfully awful. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like they make it that it's the formula powder. Or I think so. Like- and then yeah, uh, he does the classic taste, put his pinky in and, and taste the cocaine. Yeah. And yes. then they're making... Which, like... I buy it when a drug user and dealer does that. When it's cops, I'm like, how is this part of the training? Yeah. Well, do, you, do, you, do you have to, like, sort the good stuff? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, they're making, like, Coke uh, bath one bombs? Of my, one of my... F- yeah, oh, yeah, they, like, use, like, a thing to compress Into, like, so a bath bomb. Like, <laughs> it's just like, what are yeah, we doing yeah, with it? Yeah, yeah. That's gotta be bad for your skin. It doesn't seem like it'd be a good According thing. According to Stevie Nicks, she burned a dime-sized hole in the middle of her nose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Ray is in the shower. Ray Liotta is in the shower when he hears the radio update on the Lufthansa heist. And he, it I is love this, like, sexual. Joy. Like, yes, yes. He's hard. Uh, it was also passed around a lot in the Phillies run to the World Series with uh, they had Jimmy Rollins on the team uh. and he had like a big hit. And it was like, Jimmy. <laughs> OK. Yeah. Uh, I forget this dude's name, but he's got this really great hair. I want to say his name's Mo, but he rolls in with his... Jimmy's like, all right, we got the money. Nobody do anything fucking stupid. Nobody buy anything. Nobody drawing attention. And they're having a Christmas party, and these fucking idiots just come parading in. One guy's wife's got a new mink. The next guy's got a pink pink coop. The next guy... Yeah. and Also, it's so funny to hear them talk about furs, because, like, they're fucking worthless now. Yeah. Oh, they are. I I, I got a f- yeah a mink. Coat. I got a fur, um, <clears throat> that still had the receipt in the pocket, and like at uh-huh. the time it was purchased, it was like I want to say thirty two hundred dollars. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it was three or four. And I was like, and now it's like literally, I wear it as costumes because nobody yeah. wants yeah. it. Right. Right. Well, I mean, attitudes have changed. Obviously, I, I I'm not negating the fur industry is garbage. Yeah. But the what like thrifting fur i feel like it's already been killed and whatever like it shouldn't be going to landfill yes yeah 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 no new fur is how i feel about it yeah i love as more of these dudes come in with these like the mink coat in the car and jimmy gets more and more angry the music drops out like the temperature of the scene rises and therefore the music we lose the music but it does they do play the christmas song they, they, it, the transition, the music comes back on. Like when they, when he pushes that guy out of the bar, he's like, get the fuck out of here, go return the car. Then they drop the music back in. But it's like, as Jimmy gets more and more angry, the music drops out. It's like a, a really good vibe. But yes, they play Darlene Love that I, you know, of course we like. Well, and it's funny because, uh, Jimmy says, make sure you don't do anything. Like, can you believe these morons? Make sure you don't buy anything expensive. And then he comes home with this cut, cut to, I bought the most expensive Christmas tree, which, like, is the perfect way to buy something expensive that no one it's not flashy it's not in front of your house no one's gonna see it uh-huh yeah yeah and like how does jimmy know what a christmas tree costs he doesn't give yeah a shit. it's a very there's barbie christmas little, <laughs> this house yes yeah there's also a little throwaway with iliana douglas where tommy is like don't you even fucking look at another man in this bar and she's like if i even look at another man I'll he's so jealous she's clearly like 
she's all a Twitter over it, and it's just like, lady, that's very unhealthy. That's bad. You're gonna die. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a very Barbie Christmas in the house, and then all of a sudden, Pesci and someone else walk into uh, Samuel L. Jackson's house. Sam Jackson. And I was like, Ugh, I feel this is doesn't feel good. I don't. It, I don't know why my my spidey senses are tingling. And then they shoot him, and I was like, well, why did they shoot him? And then the I like that the movie like tells you after. Yes, there's also a great line here with uh, the other guy. Pesci's like, oh, we'll make you some coffee. Don't worry about it. And the guy starts like futzing with a coffee pot and Pesci, they shoot him and he's like, all right, take that coffee to go. And the guy starts leaving with the coffee pot. He's like, don't take the fucking coffee. It's a fucking joke. Idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So this is like they. uh, So this is De Niro. De Niro is our father at a wedding in this scene because Henry Hill walks in and is like, oh, have a drink. Come on. Come on. He's like, well, I need to talk. He's like, no, have a drink first. Come on. We're going to have a, we're going to have some fun. Throws his arm around him. (laughs) It's like, it's very dad at a wedding energy. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I never noticed before. Leota is wiping his nose a bunch in this scene. And I think it's like the cocaine addiction Mm -hmm. has has already started to grab him. And like, obviously very shortly, we're going to get a lot about the cocaine, but it was like this little bit with the nose. I was like, oh man, this is crazy. This is like not something I've seen before. Um, uh, Tommy, we find out that uh, Tommy's going to get made. I wish they had explained that because they're like, he's going to get made. And I was like, they're going to kill him? What is that? Wait, they're happy about this. What's happening? Whacked whacked is killed. Whacked is killed. Made is good. I I don't know. Um, uh, You just watch more mafia stuff. You just know all the lingo. But I get it. I understand that it does not. uh, The movie does not hold your hand on any of that stuff. You are correct 100%. Um, We see. Jimmy scheming here and there's like this whole thing with Maury is like I want he's the one who like organized the the Lufthansa yes yes and he's like I want I make my nut and I fucking walk away forever I just want to get I want my fucking money and Leota's like do you want to go talk to Jimmy really you want to go talk to Jimmy I'll let you go talk to Jimmy but we both know what's going to happen and and Maury like kind of gets it all a thing but you can watch De Niro there's this incredible scene and I wish I wrote down what the song dropped because there's a great needle drop here but He's like lighting a cigarette, standing at the corner of the bar, and you can watch De Niro make the decision like, to kill him. Happens down his face to kill Maury. Yeah, he's like watching Maury walk towards him, and you watch Jimmy Conway decide to kill this guy as he walks. And then, him. so then he tells Henry, "Bring him here to this tonight. Bring him to this location tonight." And it's like you know what that means. And he's like, "God, I was hoping I wouldn't have to do it." And then yeah. uh, De Niro randomly goes, "You know what? Forget tonight." And you're like, yeah. "Oh." Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's 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 actually we just didn't want to make Ray Liotta have to do it because he knows that they're friends. Yeah. And and it's like he's like protecting him from it. Meanwhile, poor Maury's wife comes in and is like, you know, distraught at where could he be and looking for help and, and, and Ray Liotta's trying to help and then he ends up talking to Jimmy and realize what happens at this little diner and they leave the diner and Jimmy goes to like bang on the window of the FBI guys who have been surveilling him yeah. so that they wake up to follow him and then uh, we just get like a montage of dead people like the pink it's it's set it's set to Layla the pink coop couple is dead in their car which is it's mm-hmm. interesting that she that's the only couple where she also got it Yes, yeah. I don't. Maybe she was just with him. Uh, then there was two dead guys in a trash compactor, including Frenchie, the guy who was like working at the airport. Yes, and then um, I, yeah. Carbone is the guy with the hair. That, okay, my favorite was the, the the favorite the most like Im- visually impressive one is the meat truck one. That makeup yes, job and the whole 
set dressing about it was yeah. great. It took three days to thaw him out for the autopsy. Uh-huh. Uh, so Tommy's getting made. Jimmy can't contain his joy at this. He's like got this system where he's calling on the phone or at the diner. They keep calling at the thing. And we see Pesci get picked up by a couple of goobas. The, yeah. the hair on the back of your neck starts to tingle a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he's like, he has no fucking idea. He's like, oh, when you got made, what was it like? It must have been a hundred years ago. Ha 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 ha. And there's this great bit of acting from Joe Pesci. Where you see him realize what happens when the door opens and there's nobody. He opens the door and, and he like, you he even says, "Oh no," and yeah. then just gets shot in the head. Yeah, and that's the whole like you know they didn't even set him up so his mom could have a, a open casket at the funeral. It's it's very good acting on Pesci's part. Again, <laughs> I wonder if he ever got an act- least, award for acting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I think this part with De Niro is incredible, too, because, like, Jimmy Conway doesn't even understand how to be sad. He's, like, he breaks Men crying. Like, he it's it's kind of cool to see. Yeah. 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 But he do- it's, like, he doesn't even know how to be sad. He doesn't know how to, like, he's crying and doesn't even know how to handle it. It's really wild. And in voiceover, they explain um, that it's revenge for Billy Bats. Yes, because he was a made guy, and you can't fuck with a made guy without permission. Billy Bats, I'm sorry, Billy Bats sounds like a, a fucking... Uh, uh, persona that laszlo would use in what we do in the shadows i mean he's probably william batsiglore or something right like his yeah, name is probably but like, incredibly obscure. hello i'm billy bats a regular human yeah. bartender yeah yeah uh this is where we go to full drug mania this is like the end of this movie is so rapid <laughs> it like the cutting and it's like really increases the it, so i've never done cocaine as we talked about yeah but i have tried a lot of ADD medications to find the right one for me yeah. because I actually yeah. have ADD yeah. and that's part of being on this medications is like that one didn't work try this one try a dose of this one and it's yeah. like it's yeah. awful yeah the one time I tried Ritalin or was it, it was either Adderall or Ritalin this sequence in the movie felt <laughs> like how I felt oh like, wow that's awful it, everything was was it was the aperture was huge if I didn't write down every syllable that my professor was saying in my notebook, I was going to grind my teeth to nothing. Like, it, it, I was like, I was on it for three days. I was like, nope, this isn't it. That ain't it, kid. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like full mania, but even like the editing of the movie speeds up. It feels that so the, the movie feels fast. This part of the movie feels like how I felt on on Adderall. Yeah. It's 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 really impressive filmmaking. He's um, real paranoid. He's like rattling off. Yeah, he's seeing helicopters. He's not sure if they're there, and he's just like got. He's got all these tasks he's trying to complete. It's just like one thing after another. He's got to pick up a brother, it, well, and, he's got and it also sauce. feels like having ADD. <laughs> like I'm making the sauce, then I got to do this thing, and then I can come back to the sauce. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy, I brought these silencers for Jimmy, and then he doesn't want the silencers. Now I got to flip the silencers to those guys. Um, he almost gets into a car accident. He goes to the hospital to pick up his brother. And the doctor, who is uh, the guy I mentioned, Isaiah before, uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who played Clay Davis on The Wire, is just like a bit part uh, in this movie. But he's like, "You look awful. Let me give you some." Have a Valium. Starts giving him drugs. Yeah. So he brings Mike Mickey home, the brother. They're making meatballs, and they're just like fully strung out here. <laughs> he and Karen are like coked yeah. oh, out. Yeah. They're coked to the gills like yeah. they might as well, they they could have made a movie about all technology on earth turning on you they're on that much yeah. cocaine yeah yeah um they're trying to make a deal with the pittsburgh people for drugs um he he has to go out and do a thing and he's like 
don't let Karen touch the gravy, which I think is really <laughs> right? funny. Like he does not trust. Yeah. And we were talking about this after my wife and I was just like, it's funny how like cooking, which is typically thought of as like a feminine thing. All these guys in the movie want to cook. And it's like, yeah, they don't trust their wives to handle it, which is insane. But they all learn from their Like Joe Pesci's mom was all yes. of their mom, essentially. So it's funny that right. like, yeah. even though it's definitely a matrilineal skill, <laughs> the men are like, yes. no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, Henry visits uh, Debbie Mazar for some drugs and she wants to get down. He's like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> he, he, like, to do. he like grabs the bag of cocaine and laughs at her face as he runs out of the door. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, they sit down to dinner and Lois, the drug smuggler, is like making bread balls. She's like pulling hunks of bread and rolling them into balls with her fingers. It's a very weird bit of actor. She also, we, she fucked up earlier and called from the house phone. Yes. And the, yes. the, the, uh, the, the redacted plane ticket there. is such a silly choice, cinematography yeah. wise. I like it though. Yeah, I like it a lot, but I do, it is weird. Um, um, she needs her lucky hat. So he's like, I gotta go just drive and get this fucking hat. He goes to the driveway and it's like, oh shit, the cops are here. And then Karen flushes all the drugs down the Karen floor. in like a full, like, correct move. octopus. She's walking like an octopus on land, just like, Yes. Grabbing yes. the walls, throwing herself down the hallway, trying to flush this cocaine, put a, puts a gun in her panties. Yeah. Uh, so she flushes it. Henry gets bailed out of prison, but they like- All the accomplices he, got he made. Just, he, or yes. And he had pinched. just yelled at Debbie Mazar for not cleaning up. And like they have all of the stuff that he was bitching about is there and covered in cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he gets home and he's like looking for the coke and Karen's- flush down the toilet and this is i don't know if you remember when we saw steven kellogg at the point but they did a whole riff on this where they were doing lines no they watched on the i show. remember i re- so remember that vaguely that uh concert but i yeah. don't remember they were they were just playing a bass riff and doing lines for movies they watched on the bus and a bunch of them going back and forth karen why did you do that karen <laughs> don't remember i love that and it's and it's just like objectively karen made the right the correct choice, choice dude the cops would have found these drugs. He's like, they never would have found it. Like, yes, Henry, they would. I, I, I know you. You're them. on enough cocaine to take down a brown bear, but yes, <laughs> my dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're just two junky losers. I know. Point. And so he they he falls asleep with a gun and then goes to Polly for penance. Polly gives him yes. thirty two hundred bucks and says, "Get out." Yeah. As he's as he's making this beautiful looking sausage and peppers. oh my god, it make I want sausage and peppers or peppers and eggs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Karen goes to see Jimmy, and Jimmy's like, "Oh, we got some really nice dresses. Why don't you get them?" And he's like, clearly trying to send Karen down this alley to get whacked. This is like one of the best. I, I was like, if you like, fucking kill Karen now, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm turning the. I will have a trip. I'm not watching the last ten minutes yeah. of this movie because I, yeah. I don't believe yeah. it anymore. Yeah, he's like, no, no, go around, go around the corner, go around the corner, and you're like, she like looks in the, w- in the in the in the the spooky shop that's like all backlit men, and she yes. jumps into her car and drives Very away. Scary gentleman, yeah. So we cut to Jimmy at breakfast, and this is with the glasses. Dad, it's dad. dad, it's dad, it's dad. Yeah, it's just full dad, and the gray, the gray, graying hair, it's just fully our dad. Uh, and this is where Henry realizes it's all over for him because Jimmy's like, hey, I want you to do a job for me. And he's never asked him to yeah. do that before. So this is this is the end. So they go into witness protection. They go to Witsec. And that's what I said. Polly got pinched, too. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Henry is wearing a Star of David now, which is funny because he had been wearing a cross through most of the movie. And it's like, oh, now now I'm my wife's religion. Well, he he probably had to be to get married. 
I we, no, he did. He did claim to change, but I'm just saying. Suddenly now, we've just done because I was, I, I, I saw that here. I was like, oh, I wonder if I haven't paid attention to the rest of the movie for that. No, I th- I think you're right. I, I I think it's clearly marriage related, obviously. So we cut to the courtroom, and I really like this part where he's like giving his deposition in the courtroom, and then it cuts to like this fourth wall break, and like we walk out. I don't know it. how it's, I feel about the weird. fourth wall break because it comes it comes out of nowhere. It does, it does, but it just sets you up to get to the end of this movie a little bit faster, which I think is all of the point. Fair. Of, like we just want to transition to the to the part where he's like, you know, I ordered spaghetti marinara and I got egg noodles and ketchup. I'm a nobody. I'm a schnook. And then and then we hit Frank Sinatra's, you know, I did it my way, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And we get the, like, so-and-so died in prison montage. Yeah. He looks down the barrel of the camera. And then yeah. I wonder if anyone double features this with My Blue Heaven since they basically. I'm certain you must. The, the Alamo Drafthouse has to have done that at some point. Because it's, it's pretty much where it's like one. Yeah. one That starts here. Yeah. <laughs> So that's why I had always wanted to do it as a double feature. We ended up not doing it that way, but uh, for the podcast, I mean, yeah, um, like do a month with both of them. So, what are your final thoughts? Since this is your first time through, uh, enjoyable. It's too long. I will say it starts to like, yeah. I I, I find the last act very interesting because it's so frenetic. Yeah. So I'm like, you could take some trim some stuff out the middle. Um, I get that. I I don't I I I'm happy with the length of the movie, but I totally it is a long movie. But considering I'm I'm like not in a great headspace mentally and whatever, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm not gonna have fun with this. This is not gonna be a fun. I was like fully expecting to have to like start this podcast by being like, I will watch this movie again someday when my brain doesn't yeah. hate me yeah. when we're on the same team again. But I was able to calibrate myself with Scarlet Witch. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that worked. Yeah, it's not. It's not the route I would have imagined, but I'm glad that you were able to appreciate it because I just like. I honestly, after I finished watching it, I was like, "He is gonna hate this movie, and it's gonna make me a little sad." Yeah, no. I. I'm curious. I'm curious if having seen this, you think differently about Midnight Run later because this is such like an interesting, violent, uh, what's you call it, and uh, De Niro performance, and now it's not. Oh, uh, that is him playing opposite this specifically. I forgot about Midnight Run. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Of course, De Niro is fully playing against this character in Midnight yeah. Run, and that's why I find it so fun. So I'd be curious if you had seen them in opposite order, if your opinion would be. Maybe. I, I said it up top. This is a masterpiece. It's very well made. It's one of the great, yeah, it's one of the great films to me. Um, I, I love this movie, and I enjoy revisiting it uh, every so often. I, I This is not a one I do like every year or anything. I got to keep it a little, you know, spaced out, but it's just a movie I have so much love for, so... Uh, glad that you appreciated it, even if you didn't love it. So, hearty recommend for me. Recommend for me. Uh, it sounded like a, a recommend for you. So, I'm 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 delighted that you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, and had you not enjoyed it, that also would have been fine. But I, it was nice to have a similarly geeking out conversation on a movie I love so much. So, thank you so much for for listening to the show. We will be back uh, in in two weeks with the start of a of a theme month we had recently, WrestleMania. This time, oops, no carpenters. Bummer. <laughs> No offense, Kurt, but Kurt plus Car- Kurt plus uh, Carpenter is some some magic. It's a winning formula. It's a winning formula. Uh, our first our first movie there, I believe, will be Kurt Russell's Breakdown masterpiece of schlocky action cinema. So check that out. Visit us on uh, Facebook or at Dissect the Eighties on Twitter. Hit us up dissect the dissecting the Eighties at gmail dot com. And of course, you should visit Patreon dot com slash Dissecting the Eighties to learn more about how you can support the show and get yourself some bonus episodes. Thank you so much for listening. I have been tripling. I will always be Andrew Leno. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. <laughs>
Dissecting the 80s is a Chum Sum of This production. Ow.